Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast. We talk TTM, cards, autographs, collecting, and a whole lot more. It is season five, episode two, the weekend of January 14th. You're listening to nationally ranked sports podcast hosted by me, Jeff Baker. I'm talking to you from where am I talking to you from? Boston, Massachusetts. That's where I am, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm joined by my friend and co-host from Dallas, Texas, Drew Pelto. Hey, Drew. Hey, good to be here, as always. Drew, you're doing uh, YouTube videos every week now. I want you to let people know how they can follow you. I am indeed. Go to YouTube.com slash DFWGrapher. Like Jeff said, I'm posting up a new video every week, usually on Sundays, what I'm going to try to do with it. And uh, yeah, just uh, follow along there. Subscribe if you haven't yet. Uh, check out my website, dfwgrapher.com. Also, it has links to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, all that kind of stuff, all the sets I'm working on. I've been doing some trading here in the last few days. And so, uh, yeah, check those all out, dfwgrapher.com. Well, Drew, I got out um, the give a card, get a card. We sent that those, those out, uh, I think, the end of last week. And I think yeah. uh, people are starting to receive them, receive them. I, I know you did. So, guys, if you don't, if you sent in a card for the give a card, get a card, and you haven't seen your card yet, um, just drop me a quick email at ttmcast.yahoo.com. Sorry, Drew. TTMcast at yahoo.com. And if you haven't gotten your card yet, just let me know, all right? Uh, I sent them all out. I think, Drew, when did you get yours? Like Wednesday or Thursday, right? Yeah, I think it was on Wednesday that mine came in. It was uh, whatever the 11th was. It was the same day I got in one of my TTMs. Yeah, and I saw a couple posts on, on social media that people got their cards and, and they were happy. So hopefully you you got your cards. We sent off 53 cards to Signatures for Soldiers, so they're going to earn some money for for uh, wounded veterans. So hopefully and homeless veterans. So uh, hopefully that helps out a little. And uh, maybe we'll do that again next year, Drew. That was kind of a fun yeah. promotion, don't you think? Yeah, I definitely like it. I think it's a good idea. I think it helps get... Uh listeners involved as well so yeah i like it well other than that it was kind of a quiet week for me in terms of picking up cards and, and i i uh i got a 50 dollars gift card to ebay um mm-hmm. for christmas so i've been buying a bunch of stuff on ebay just little things here and there i got a uh byron buxton rookie card i got uh 1970 um collier stremsky i got a marcus smart rookie card um, I forget who else I got. I got, I got some other, some other cards, but I, I, I spent, I have 35 cents left. So, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been, they've, they've been kind of filtering in and then I did, uh, I did, let's say 15 TTMs, uh, yesterday that, that went out all baseball, all, uh, 86, 87 tops. And then I've got, uh, 15 ready to go out for next week. So I'm, I'm trying to, I want to get to, you know, 10 or 15 out a week. Um, I, we'll talk about returns later, but my returns have been slow the last couple of weeks and hopefully we'll get those up. How was your week? It's pretty decent. Uh, I've made a couple of trades through uh, SCN and I'll be talking about those whenever they arrive in. Um, one of them actually got bounced back to the uh, guy I traded with because the post office here has a head so far up its backside <laughs> that no, I got a call from because I put in a trace request on it and got a call from them eventually saying, oh yeah, the, the delivery person uh, couldn't, couldn't figure out if it was the right name on it and so he, t- he just you know held on to it and then we're sending it back and I'm like 
you delivered 20 pieces of mail to me this week, all with my name on it. It says my name right in the box. It's not that hard to match the two up there. So yeah, hopefully I'm going to get that eventually because there's a Gary Carter in there that I really need for one of the projects I'm working on. Oh, nice. Amori Wills. And there's one other one as well, but yeah, hopefully those roll in. Um, made a few purchases. I finally finished off or I'm going to finish off once they arrive. My, uh, 2018 Donruss Optic soccer base set. Just got three cards I needed for that, and I just bought those on eBay the other day. It's funny, you mentioned uh, having an eBay gift card and spending all the way down to having 35 cents left on it. Yeah, I had a, an American Express gift card that I got as a work bonus in place of a Christmas party. I bought a card yesterday, and I'm now down to 14 cents on it as well. Don't so you we love combine that together it down and, all that way? Yeah, so we, we, can, uh, we can combine those together and... Uh, maybe buy a postage stamp or something there basically well i, I needed like three cards for my uh the top the tops high number heritage set and i got yep. those off of ebay so i only need i only need um three of the short prints nice that's so, good you know the, the whatever is 700 to 725 i need mm-hmm. three of those to complete the set and the, it's all guys like it's there's no superstars in the in the bunch if you know what i mean it's just three. exactly yeah that definitely helps out and uh, what else? I picked up a uh, four-track mixer to do some music work with and nice. a kit to build my own guitar. I know I've shown before my uh, box guitar that I had made out of a box of uh, National Treasures cards. I've done three of those now. Well, I found a kit to build one that uses a license plate as a resonator on the front of it. And so it came with a Mississippi license plate, which I don't have any connection to Mississippi. The reason they put that one in there is because it says birthplace of American music on it because, you know, Mississippi Delta is where the blues came from. But uh, so I went out and also bought an Ohio license plate to go and put on nice. that. So I'm going to throw that on there. And it has the right county on there, Lake County, which is my home uh, home county there. So grab that off eBay, grab that guitar kit. So hopefully maybe later today, I'm going to set uh, start to start setting that up. Yeah. And don't forget, uh, guys, if you uh, hopefully you like the new uh, music intro that we're using. Ah, yeah. That's uh, Drew's band, uh, Beethoven's Bastards. It's called A Little, Little Help. And he's got two. Um, new songs out there so if you want to check those out Drew, why don't you let people know how they can check that out yeah if you just look up uh anywhere where you get your music from whether it's on youtube apple music um amazon music spotify all those places just look up for beethoven's bastards and put in a little help or uh looking down on me are the two songs we have out so far i went and laid down drum tracks for two more songs last weekend so Hopefully we'll have those uh, added uh, guitar and bass and vocals and have those out pretty soon. But uh, yeah, we've got two out there and uh, maybe up to two or three more on the way here soon. Very cool. Congratulations. Well, we have a fun show for you this week. We have Jeff Owens. Jeff is the editor of Sports Collectors Digest. And we're going to talk to Jeff about, we're going to look back at 2022 and look ahead to 2023. So that's a fun interview. We have Jason Voss. Jason is a super, and when I say super, he's a super Ken Griffey Jr. collector. We're going to talk to him about his collecting and his his collection and his love for Ken Griffey Jr. And then we have uh, Clemente Lise is, uh, is coming back. We have a new segment. It's called Clemente's world and we're going to talk to Clemente about soccer and hockey and kind of everything going on in the world of collecting Clemente will be on now every month and if we have something happen big happen in hockey or soccer maybe we'll bring him on but right now we're going to have Clemente on every month and we'll have our uh edition new edition of Clemente's world which is uh we've renamed the segment Drew. what do you think I like it I think it's good well that that's our show for this week next week we have Billy Sample I want to thank uh our all our friends uh caleb from in uh and from caleb's cards in colorado and drew 
they both reached out to Billy to get him on, on the show. And I interviewed him the other day and Bill boys, Billy like to talk. So we'll get a great interview with Billy next week. And we have Andrew Williams who's one of our great listeners and he's a collector. We're going to have him on and collect his corner. That's next week. But this week, Jeff Owens, Jason Voss and Clemente Lise. Drew, we have all our regular segments, right? We do indeed. We've got Baker's Dozen where we'll cover all of the news from the previous week in the hobby. Clemente's World, as you mentioned, we'll have Clemente Lisi back on with us. Collector's Corner, where we'll be talking with the Griffey Super Collector. We've got Making the Grade, where we're going to be covering everything in the world of grading here in our hobby. Stamp Approval, where Jeff and I give our two thumbs up to something, could be just about anything from the previous week. The Vern Rap Minute, covering deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, music, movies, politics, anything like that. And of course, the main reason why you're here and why we're here, our TTM Returns. What is it there, Drew? What, what segment is not on this week? Ah, Fast Forward Football is finally, <laughs> finally retired. Yes. We have retired Fast Forward Football until next September, guys. Fast Forward Football has been officially retired, so <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm beyond happy. Yeah, this is it's a, it's a bit of a relief there, yeah. <sighs> 18 weeks of fast forward football. <laughs> oh my God, I'm the worst football picker in the world. <laughs> well, guys, we'd love to hear from you. You know, send us an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com. We love to get feedback if you're interested in being on the show. We love to uh, talk to collectors in our collector's corner. If you want to have uh, any tips for us, anything you'd like us to talk about, we got a nice uh, email uh, from one of our listeners actually this morning about. Uh, Mexico, right? Sending uh, yeah. TTM requests to Mexico. And I think what Drew and I are going to resurrect our uh, our international, how to send international. Maybe we'll do that next week, Drew, because we got a lot this week, okay? Yeah, sounds good. So uh, please email us at ttmcast at yahoo.com. We, we love to hear from you. Well, Drew, I think that wraps up all our introductions. We're going to go right into Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen, sponsored by sportscollectorsdaily.com. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Baker's Dozen is a news summary of what's been going on in the hobby. I just want to remind everyone to check out my article on TTM and Autograph Tips and Sports Collectors Daily. That's a weekly article. They usually post it either on Tuesday or Wednesday morning. Make sure you check that out. It's a, a summary of what's been going on in the show and all sorts of all my successes, TTM successes. Drew sometimes contributes to that. So make sure you check that out, sportscollectorsdaily.com. Drew, did you send your uh, request in to write an article for them? I know you and you had an idea. Yeah, I talked to uh, Rich about it, and I'm starting to get something together. I pretty much have it written. It's kind of long, so he's probably going to shorten it down, but I just got to get some photos together for it and everything, and I'll have that uh, have that to him here pretty soon, hopefully this week. Very cool. Also, make sure you check out my article on The Great Les Wolf in this month's edition of Sports Collectors Digest. Les Wolf article, Sports Collectors Digest. And, written, uh, Drew, I just wrote an article 
for I think it's going to come in either March or April. I'll keep this. I'll keep it a secret. But I just submitted a new article for Sports Collectors Digest, so we're 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 keeping that going as well. So nice. we are on Sports Collectors Daily. We're on Sports Collectors Digest, uh, and we just love submitting articles to these guys, and we appreciate them uh, publishing it. And they're great, both great uh, publications. So thank you, Drew. We got some auction news to let people know about. We do. Robert Edwards Auctions has one up and rolling right now until January 22nd, so running until about a week from now. 3,000 items up for auction, including a signed 1952 Tops Willie Mays. I mean, just a legendary card right there. Probably one of the most iconic cards of that 52 set, just behind Mantle and Robinson. I would say Mays is number three on that list. But I agree. It's a nice-looking card. It is. It is. And uh, it said Robert Edwards uh, robertedwardsauctions.com. So, Check that out if you got some uh, money to burn and want to check out. And even if you just want to check it out and see what those see what that looks like, robertedwardauctions.com. Our friends at Memory Lane just completed uh, an auction. They had 1,800 items in their lots in their uh, auction. It earned $6.7 million. So, congratulations to JP Cohen at Memory Lane and his team. And one of the big things that we've been watching, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, was the, the 1903 World Series program, which was from game one of the 1903, the very first World Series. And that went for $171,484. Not bad for a uh, 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 you know, a 12 page program, huh? No kidding. I mean, that's uh, shows you how much has changed there. I mean, I have a all right, I know I still have it somewhere. I had a 1993 World Series program, that thing looks like a magazine. You're talking yeah. about 12 pages on that one, so that was kind of cool. So, congratulations to JP and guys at Memory Lane Auctions, 6.7 million dollars for 1800, uh, 1800 lots. That's good, good job. eBay, we have we have some eBay uh, figures to report. We do. Yeah, their top three card sales in 2022. So uh, three that have hold, sold for the highest price. We're looking six figures on each of these. $213,049, a PSA 10 86-87 Fleer Michael Jordan. I mean, probably the top basketball card in the world. You find a PSA 10 copy of it. There you go. That's, I mean, almost a quarter million dollars right there. Coming in second place, we've got some hockey. Oh, my God, a hockey sighting. Look out. 2015-16 Upper Deck the Cup. Connor McDavid uh, auto patch, a PSA 10 on that one went for two, uh, yeah, $200,099. So just over the $200,000 mark on that one. And coming in at number three, a football one, the 2020 Panini National Treasures Stars and Stripes Joe Burrow auto patch number 20 out of 20, $127,100. So a little bit of a, uh, uh, just a gap there between two and three, but still, I mean, three cards all coming in in the six figures there as eBay's top three card sales of the year. Yeah, pretty cool. And uh, that Joe Par Joe Burrow patch was not graded, so that's kind of wow. interesting as well. Uh, also, uh, the Chief Robert Parrish is auctioning off his 1996-1997 Bulls uh, championship ring. It's expected to reach $60,000. It's in the Heritage Auction Platinum Night, which is going to be February 25th and 26th. Go to ha.com. Uh, it's kind of cool. I, wouldn't you love to own a championship ring just from any – doesn't matter who it is. Yeah, I'll even take, like, you know, some backup catcher or the – yeah. I mean, not even an, even if it's not a player, like somebody who's like, I mean, give me the freaking bullpen catcher for God's sake. I'll take that any day. I know it's it's so cool. Hey, Drew, 
Tops is at it again. They're at it uh, again, Drew. To, they have had, I don't, I, this has been going on for a couple of weeks now, I think. And, and, and they really kind of, they came out with, a, with an, an announcement or a response to it. And I'm talking, of course, about the 2022 Bowman draft numbering error. There's duplicate numbers on about 20 players across four color parallels. So basically, there is, you know, if you have one of five, one of 22, you know, two of, of 50, whatever, they they have duplicates of it. So there's there's duplicates numbering of all these players across their their uh, their Bowman draft numbering. And it's just unbelievable uh, from a QC standpoint, how that gets through QC. It's I mean, it's ridiculous because, I mean, that numbering stuff is automated. So that means you had to run more than more than a certain number through there a number of times. It's like, I, I, just, I don't understand how that happens. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just bizarre. You know, you, I've seen a lot of that in the last couple of weeks where there's been multiples and not one, like five of the same number card. And, uh, you know, Topps is, is coming, owning up to it, but you just don't know if it was on purpose, if it was something, you know, somebody was, was doing, playing, loose loose with the numbering and you know with with uh, social media nowadays people are posting this stuff all the time and if you're sitting there and you have a number card in your collection and like well, wait a minute i got number seven of of, of 40 how, how can he, how can that be a number seven of 40 it just makes you wonder then okay are there really only you know if you have four cards numbered five out of 20 are there really only 20 cards out there does that mean there's now you know 23, 24 of those out there, maybe 25. You may have had another one get duplicated in there. It just, it's just a ridiculous mistake to make. I don't even know how that can possibly happen when the numbering machines like that are just automated. You know, you stick in your 20 cards, numbers one out of 22, out of 23, out of 24, out of 20. It means, yeah. you know, somebody's, so either somebody's screwing up somewhere along the line or the machine has some kind of crazy fault in it or they're intentionally putting more in there than should be. And either way, that's a problem. Unfortunately, I mean, they're all easily fixable, tops you gotta you gotta get on this here but yeah it's just i mean it brings everything into question at that point wouldn't you think just from a qc standpoint that they would see that like immediately it would seem like it but when so much of the process is automated there's a lot that can slip through the cracks on it so i can understand i mean because you're not looking at every single card that comes off the line as it gets printed or anything like that so much of it gets printed thrown into collation loop packed up done and Right, but it's got to be somebody's job to make sure that happens. Yeah, there's got to be, they've got, I mean, there's got to be something put in there to check on that stuff. At least, you know, do a random check every now and then and make sure. I know that companies typically will break a case to make sure that, okay, is everything that's supposed to be in this case in there? Yes, okay, good, it's good to go, set it out the door. But yeah, I mean, just an error like that or whatever that would be called. I don't know if you can call, you know, if it's an honest mistake, then okay, fine, it's an error. But if it's, you know, done purposefully then it's like all right this that's ridiculous but i know and numbering yeah. is so important uh you know on on the secondary market right everyone's like oh i got a one of whatever or or three of five and mm -hmm. i think you, you get the only one and then all of a sudden you find out there's 50 of the same card out there with the same number it's it's really and, not good and if that happens it also makes you wonder then how many one of ones are there more than one of i never so. trusted the one of one thing i really yeah. don't I don't, I don't know. So, well, I get, I mean, tops came forward and they owned up to it, but um, it seems like the, it, the, the errors are piling up for tops, doesn't it? It does. And I mean, hopefully fanatics is able to uh, straighten that out and get them to straighten up and fly right basically. But 
Yeah, I mean, this we could had also the, be, I mean, know, now the next state over, this the, could just be the beginning of it. I don't really know. Well, we had the short prints of all the rookies that didn't get inserted in the, in the, in the series two. And then now this, and you know, what else, what else has happened that hasn't come to the forefront? You know, you just, right. you, you wonder, well, that, you know, hopefully they, as you, you say, they, hopefully they clean up their act, but it's, it's kind of sad that we have to deal with that. Well, we had, uh, I just want to let everyone know that Clemente Lise, our friend Clemente Lise, has an article in this week's Sports Collectors Digest this month. I mean, he has a, an article on 10 Lionel Messi cards and collectibles that soccer fans should collect. So make sure you check that out. Also, Clemente has a great um, newsletter. It's called Planet Soccer. Drew, have you signed up for it yet? I haven't yet, but I see the address there, so I'm going to be checking that out here today. Yeah, it's planetsoccer.substack.com. Planetsoccer.substack.com substack.com it's a free uh newsletter and it, it he comes out with like three or four on the week i don't know i don't know how he, he finds any time he, he every every day i'm getting a new planet soccer uh story so check it out it's free clemente lace is putting it out planetsoccer.substack.com is how you sign up for that drew we have some news show news to let everyone know about we do yeah a lot going on up in your area here in the next uh, couple of weeks the Foxwoods autograph show, Foxwoods Casino in Connecticut, I believe, has yep. that one. Doug Flutie, Jim Lonborg, Gary Cheever, Jerry Cheevers, Dwight Gooden, Johnny Busick, Kevin Stevens, and Marcel Dion all going to be there. So, I mean, a good group of Hall of Famers and some solid players who weren't in the Hall of Fame in there as well. So January 28th and 29th, looks like uh, autograph tickets run 20 to $29 for that. So very affordable price on those as well. Yeah, not bad. And uh, Foxwoods is a good place for the show. If they have the uh, the card vault, which is that great card store in Foxborough, it's at Foxborough Place, and they have a they have they opened a store in Foxwoods, and they're they're co-sponsoring it along with uh, Short Shot. Short Shot Promotions is, is one dealing with all the autographs. So that that's a cool show. This is a this is a show I've been to a couple times. Uh, it's the Cranston Rhode Island show. It's February fourth and fifth. This is that Super Bowl weekend, Drew. I think it might be. I'm not sure. I know it's usually like either they may have moved it back. Now they've got the uh, extra playoff team there. It may be the week after. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's it's, sure. it's either weekend Super Bowl weekend or the Super Bowl the weekend before Super Bowl weekend. It's February fourth and fifth. It's at the Coventry Rhode Island High School. It's the 47th year in the show. It's the oldest show in New England. They have about 150 dealers. Paul Stewart, the referee, is going to be there, and he played. He was a hockey player as well. And Ross Brooks, who was a goalie for the Bruins and, and as a Rhode Island guy, will be there. Admissions is only six dollars. It's a really great show. There's a ton of vintage stuff there the the dealers that they have are um it's it's not your typical show where you go and everyone's selling 2022 boxes you know <laughs> it, it's a lot of a lot of vintage stuff it's a, a really a, a great show if you're you're in the new england area february 4th and 5th and hopefully there's no so storm uh the cranston island show it's a great show moving down down toward my area we've got the houston collector show we've been talking about this one for a couple of months it seems like now out of Houston at the NRG Arena, February 3rd through the 5th. A lot of autograph guests on there. You've got members of this past year's Astros team that will be signing there. Jeff Bagwell is going to be there. Julius Irving, Kevin McHale, whole lot of big names there. TriStarProductions.com is the place to go and get more information for the Houston Collectors Show. 
If you're in the Virginia Beach area, February 25th, the uh, Virginia Beach show, the first show of the season for them, go to 757shows.com. It's 757shows.com. They're going to have Dwight Gooden and Sam Allen, who is a former Negro League uh, player, and they have a couple other guys that are going to be signing as well. It's February 25th at, in Virginia Beach. Uh, it's a really great show, uh, a nice small to medium show, lots of autograph guests, including Dwight Gooden and Sam Allen. Uh, go to 750shows.com. That's February 25th. And uh, we might have the promoter on to, to talk a little about that show uh, when we get closer to the show. Well, Drew, we have some new releases, a lot of new releases this week. Yeah, a whole ton on this list here, starting out with the 2022 Topps Chrome Sapphire Update Series. That's an online exclusive. In each box, you can get eight packs with four cards per pack, so 32 cards total. $130 is the price tag for that one. Yeah, you know what? I checked yesterday. I'm not sure if those are sold out or not uh, on tops.com, but you can get them on, you can definitely get them on eBay um, if you if, they, if that's what you're into, uh, Tops Chrome Sapphire. The 2022 Panini XR NFL, uh, you get two packs of seven cards each, uh, two autos and one memorabilia. Those are going for about $350. That's 2022 Panini XR NFL. Is that a new release for Panini? Uh, they've done XR stuff before. I'm not sure how much football they've done on it, but I know I've seen it in uh, some other stuff at least. Okay. Uh, Panini also coming out with Contenders Optic Basketball for 21-22, six cards per box, one autograph guaranteed in there. It's a $375 price tag on it. And this is the low-end one from Panini. It's 2022-23 Panini Hoops. 24 packs, eight cards per pack, uh, no guaranteed autographs, but they, it goes for $130 for Hobby Bucks. That's 2022-23 Panini Hoops. Got a Panini National Treasures Baseball coming out here as well. One pack, eight cards, comes in that fancy little box there. $580 the price tag on that one, so one for the higher-end baseball collectors. Another nice one from Panini, the Panini Spectra Football 2022 Four packs of four cards, get four four autos and four memorabilia. Those are going for about $800. That's 2022 Panini Spectra football, which the, the cards look nice. Have you seen the card, those cards? I haven't, but uh, Spectra designs always come out real good. So. Yeah, they're really nice. So th that goes for about 800 bucks. Leaf has an offering coming out as well. Their 2022 Hall of Fame cut auto. You get one slabbed auto per box. Comes in baseball, football, basketball. Only $40 that I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm thinking, Ooh, I might have to try that and see what I get. Yeah. You know what? They're hall of, they're hall of famers and they're cut autos. I saw a, a Bobby bell who was the NFL uh, is an NFL hall of famer. He was a, a check that they had cut. And I'm trying to think who I, I saw a break of it, like three or four of them. And you no, know, for 40 bucks, it, was, it wasn't, wasn't too bad. You know, I wouldn't mind that Bobby bell one there. I mean, that's a, it's a hall of fame linebacker, but he was also the long snapper for the chiefs for a long time. And, Long-time listeners know my obsession with NFL long snappers. So like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, I want that one. Well, that's pretty cool. Well, guys, that wraps up Baker's Dozen for the week. Next up, we're going to have our new segment, our, our newly named segment, right? It's not, it's not, I guess it's not a new segment, but it's a newly, newly named segment, new content, uh, same, same great guests or, or, or hosts. And I'm talking, of course, about Clemente's world with Clemente Lise. We're going to talk a little soccer. We're going to talk a little hockey. We're going to talk a little collectibles. So please enjoy Clemente's world with Clemente Lise. If it's soccer, hockey, or collectibles, it's in Clemente's world. It's time for Clemente's World with Clemente Lisi. All right, guys. You know what? We got a, 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 a new name for our segment. We've got new content for our segment, but we got the same great host, the same great guest. 
it's time for Clemente's World with Clemente Lise. Do you like the name? I like it. Uh, welcome to my world, uh, which I always say when it's a negative thing, but this is a positive thing. So, by the way, Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year to you as well. I figure we'll talk a little soccer. We'll talk a little hockey. We'll talk a little TTMing. And, uh, you know, Clemente will be on every month. And then if we have something special, you know, maybe Stanley Cup playoffs, we'll, we'll bring you on for 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 some extra time and if you get something that you know big news we'll bring you on but let's let's try clemente's world every month and then uh, you know if you have any questions for clemente if you have any subjects you'd like to talk to him about uh you know send us uh email at ttmcast at yahoo.com and clemente is the soccer guy and he knows hockey as well so if you have any questions for clemente we always welcome that well welcome clemente thank you well, you know what? The World Cup's done. You're back from Qatar. You get to exhale. And what are you going to do? You're just hanging around doing nothing, right? Well, that that was what I told everybody, you know, back in uh, December. I was like, I'll take a few uh, weeks off. And then what I ended up doing was something that was in my mind during the World Cup, which was launch my own Substack website, which I did um, on New Year's Day. Uh, it's planetsoccer.substack.com, where... I'll write about the sport and about collectibles, all kinds of stuff on there. Um, actually, I have a pretty funny story that I published on that site just last week, which was the the very famous photo of, of Messi being hoisted up in the air by his teammates holding the World Cup, which was immortalized on one of those Panini on demand cards. Well, it yep. turns out that World Cup trophy he's holding in that photo is actually not the real deal. It's a replica that some fans made in the hopes of getting uh, autographed. And what happened was the fans were interviewed by the Argentine press, said that they gave the trophy to a couple of the players in the field who were signing it during the commotion. And in the commotion, someone handed the trophy to Messi, who then hoisted it up in the air. And then it turns out that the fans were like, that's our that's our cup. It looked so real, apparently, that they thought it was the real deal. If you look at the photos, you can tell the one he's holding up is a lot shinier. And then it turned out that when they got the trophy back, FIFA security was like, apprehensive about it. they're like is that the actual trophy we can't give it to the fans and it was this kind of this funny story about you asked during the world cup were fans getting autographs and it was extremely difficult and kudos to these fans for going the extra mile but then also creating sort of this domino effect of kind of hilarity afterwards that ensued in terms of that photo now you know Messi put that photo on instagram it became the most instagram the most shared post in history which will forever have a little asterisk which is it wasn't the real trophy, and thanks to some overzealous fans who were trying to get autographs, that's why that that's the case. So well, I hope Messi signed it. I, I don't know that he did, but some of the players did. It turns out that um, that's the kind of content I want to strive for on my site. So if you if you visit, you can subscribe for free and get all the stuff you want. In addition to that, uh, I write a monthly column that runs the first week of every month on Puck Junk. Uh, which is Sal Barry's our pal Sal, yeah. Yeah, which is a great site if you love hockey or love sports in general, but hockey in general, uh, specifically. And my my post this month is about the five card shows you should visit uh, this year, basically during the winter because it's so cold, especially in the Northeast. Um, I'm going to go to the Winter Extravaganza in Tarrytown, New York this weekend myself. I'm so then, jealous. Clemente, I'm so jealous because I want to go to that show. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of people signing autographs there, including Pete Alonzo. So it's it's going to be some big names. Um and yeah, then, they have Glenn Anderson and a bunch of uh, Rangers, too. They do. So what's good about those shows in the New York area is they try to bring in a lot of Rangers from the past, particularly the 94 winning cup. So there's, whenever I go to these shows, I always try to get one or two autographs. Glenn Anderson, I do not have, which I want to get. Yeah. But there's collectors who have, like, 
the team poster and they they're trying to get every single guy you know last year i remember i went to one at hofstra which is on long island and uh stefan mateau was there and he's famous for scoring that goal in overtime that unleashed that great mateau call and people were just trying to get him not just on single cards like i was i was trying to get him on the young guns but people were trying to get him out as part of this larger 94 rangers team thing that they've been trying to build for years which is great yep. Um, and then there's a couple of basketball players there. Bob McAdoo is on there, who I love because he played in Italy after his uh, NBA career. Um, yeah, I don't know if you saw. I just got him on uh, TTM. I got him through I the mail. I saw that. I saw that, and I was kind of jealous because I don't know if you got him for free or not. Um, no, it was for free. Yeah, he's charging like 65 bucks. He's not a great TTM. He's hot cold. So It took about a year and a half. Right. So I'm sure that's one of the ones you sent out thinking, I'll never see again, and then here yep. you are. So. The bonus, you know, kudos to you. I did see that during the week and I got a little jealous. Um, <laughs> but I do want to meet him and I do want to say a couple of words to him in Italian. I think he's, his wife is Italian, so it'd be fun. And yeah, then he played in the Italian league for what, four or five years after the NBA? Yeah, he's probably the Italian league, people don't know. The Italian basketball league is actually pretty good. And a lot of NBAers and their careers there, including Dominique Wilkins, but also it's a place where a lot of Italian players have come from the NBA, like Danilo Gallinari and others. But, um, but yeah, so it'd be fun to, to to see him. And that's, you know, TTM is great. I love TTM. But if you get to meet somebody, it is the added bonus of that. Um, I agree. Yeah, so there's that. And then, you know, because I was doing nothing over the break, I also wrote a piece that ran on Sports Collectors Digest on the top 10 uh, Messi collectibles you should get. And Messi is a high ceiling for Messi. I know that he's very popular and prices are high. But I try to list items that kind of range in price from very expensive to kind of more affordable including that Panini card I mentioned, which is... Yeah, I was going to ask you, because, you know, I, I just looked at it, and uh, the, it's all kind of high-end cards, right? Is there any is there any affordable messy cards? Yeah, look, there's this people who want to collect... You know, player collectors could just say, look, I want to collect messy base cards through the years, and mm -hmm. that's not going to be crazy. I mean, I know I mentioned that the Panini Prism World Cup base card was $300 after the final. Well, I checked eBay this week, and it's basically down to $10, which is where it belongs. Right. So, you could you could get you can collect you could amass many many messy cards. They don't have to all be national treasures or immaculate or these you know high end. I mean, look if you pull those out of a pack, wonderful. But um, you could you can be a player collector and and go for the base. And there's thousands of base cards of him that you can try to attain, or even number cards that are you know the three ninety nine that are that are you know different um, uh, variations that are probably you know, hundreds of dollars, but not within out of price range. I tried to do a mix of things, not just cards, but also autographed jerseys, balls, because in the soccer market, like every other sports collectible, there's lots of items you can get assigned. I prefer cards and cards tend to cost more than like a jersey, which is kind of crazy because there's a lot of autographed cards out there. Yeah. As someone who lives in New York and has limited space, I do like cards because you can store them easier. I don't have like a man cave where I can put up, you know, 10, 10 jerseys on the wall, you know, you know, my wife would kill me, but, <laughs> but if I, but if I could do that and I had a big home and people do go for that, you know, and, and a messy Jersey that's signed may cost a thousand dollars, but a signed card that's numbered to one-on-one or one of five could go for tens of thousands of dollars, which is kind of crazy. I think people who collect autographs probably are wondering why do the cards cost so much more than the, the memorabilia, but that, that kind of dovetails a little bit into what we were going to talk about, which is Pele right? Pele recently yep. died. You know, it's funny. I think upon his death, uh, Messi's uh, title of GOAT kind of disappeared for a couple of days. I think people felt, you know what? 
Pele is an amazing player, was an amazing player, and he deserves all the accolades and kudos out there. But he did sign a lot, you know. Right. Um, we were talking about that Pe- Pele. Um, would you liken him to Muhammad Ali? Yeah. When I heard you guys talking about that, culturally in the '60s, '70s, '80s, culturally, not just sports, Muhammad Ali is a wonderful example, or even any any really famous Olympian because he transcends a sport. You know, people know Pele even if they don't know anything about soccer. I can't say the same thing about a Messi or a Maradona. You might say, I, I never heard of that person, it's possible. But Pele, even decades later, you've heard of Pele. And I wanna share a little story with you and, and your listeners in that in 2007, I had the opportunity in New York to interview Pele. And uh, it, it's, it remains kind of one of the highlights of my life, even though you don't think about it for many, many years until his death, then I kind of went back and remember that. I remember walking into the room where he was doing this, these series of interviews. And, you know, I walked up to him and he, he hugged me. And I thought, you know, I think that's the kind of person he was really warm. Um, I mean, no celebrity is going to hug you, you know, it's not right. going to happen. This was the first time you had met, right? First time I ever met him. I had seen him, he, you know, in the eighties and nineties, he was at a lot of games, you know, whenever they wanted to try to promote American soccer, he was the link to the past, to the present. Um, you know, in the last 10 years, he didn't do as enough, a lot of traveling because he was much older, but he was a real ambassador for the game in this country. And I remember meeting him and talking to him about, you know, at the time in 07, that was the same time that David Beckham signed with MLS. Mm-hmm. So a lot of comparisons between Pele and David Beckham and, and Pele discussed with me about, you know, the, the hurdles of playing soccer in America, how it's not as easy as people think. You have time zones, the heat, you know. Um, that Beckham would have a tough time. And Beckham did end up having a tough time until he eventually did win some trophies here. Um, But it was just interesting to pick his brain about the game. And he always had an opinion, but always had a smile on his face, always very kind. I remember while I was interviewing him, there was buzz around the building we were doing this in that people figured out Pele was in the building and people were running to sporting goods stores and buying soccer balls and trying to run back and get his autograph. And I remember he signed for everybody there uh, he never said no to anybody. And I've heard stories since his death of people saying, yeah, he would sign no matter what. And, you know, people don't remember this, but he was a TTMer. There are people Did- I know who've gotten him in the mail. They've gotten jerseys sent back. That was about 10 years ago. I think as he got older and it was much harder to, to keep up with the demand, he did it less. But there are some people who claim to have gotten him in the mail, which is pretty amazing. I think if you get him in the mail or you got him in person, but you got him to sign not just his name, but his, his birth name, Edson, Often he would sign Edson Pelé or something personalized. That might be worth a little more than just, I don't know if you noticed, but on a lot of the um, um, Leaf cards that he signed, he used to sign for Leaf. The last few autographs look very um, shaky. Yeah, and they're rushed, I'm sure. Yeah, and those are those you can tell were signed in the last few years. And I also predict that in various sets over the next few years, you will keep seeing Pelé sticker autos because I think he signed lots of sheets. And I think we'll be seeing Pele autographs for years to come. Having said that, if you want to get, grab yourself one, I would wait because I think the prices are really high now. I think they'll stabilize after his death. This kind of bothers me where someone dies, the prices go up and then they go back down. And, you know, everyone starts. I went I went to the went to eBay right after Pele died and there were so many new listings, you know, that, that kind of bothered me. But at the same time, there was this FOMO. People have to get stuff, you know, thinking, you know, it won't be available a year from now or even a week from now. It will be. So if you like Pelé, you want his stuff, wait a bit and it'll come back down to normal prices and, and you can get yourself a card, a ball, a, a jersey. Just make sure it's authenticated. 
because you know there's a lot of Pele is a lot of fakes out there. He's a little bit like Tom Brady, a lot of fake Pele autographs. So just be careful. Did you get an autograph when you interviewed him, or were you? I did not. I was in so much professional mode, and you know, I, I know it's hard. In 2007, too, was a time when there were no, um, no real like uh, smartphones. Like I had a flip phone, so the photos were. So I never even took a photo with him. I wish I had taken a photo with him. I would have done that. I think taking a photo with someone you interview is okay. Yeah. Uh, did you record? The, did you record your interview? No, I didn't record. You know, I did record it, but I don't know where the recording is now. But it did run. I have the link, and I can share that with you uh, at some point. But it, so I have that, but I don't even have the recording. And I wish I had the recording just to hear his voice again. Yeah. I do remember one thing that stood out that he kept calling David Beckham, David Beckman. You know, he had a Brazilian accent, you know, he was a Portuguese, he spoke Portuguese, but his English was very good. And, you know, even though he was only in America for two and a half years, he learned English. Um, and that came in handy as he was traveling around the world and spreading the sports soccer. And he loved America. That was the great thing about him too. And, and there's lots of pictures of him with, you know, President Nixon, Reagan, Clinton. I mean, he, he would go to the White House all the time because he like i said he was the link between the president and the past do you have a card of his or his autograph i do have autographed cards of him i have one because i bought it 10 years ago when soccer was not the big thing that it is now and you can get these cards on ebay for like 50 60 100 and so i was very happy to have his autograph and i also have another card of his that i like a lot it's a it's a patch um and it ran in the in the uh, Allen and Ginter top set from sure. a, couple, from a couple, couple of years ago. His base card in that set looks really nice. He's standing in a Cosmos jersey, kind of to the side. Um, so, like I said, like, like Messi, if you want to go out and get Pele base cards, they're out there. And even patch cards run a few hundred dollars. And, it, and it's a yellow patch, which is his Brazil jersey, which is really cool. Did you get to see him play in person at all? I never got to see him play. That's the one thing, you know, I never did because he played in the seventies and I was just a small child. I yeah. never saw him play. And I was kind of grew up in, in, in the eighties in America when the NASL collapsed, the North American soccer league had collapsed and MLS hadn't started up yet until the nineties. So I grew up in kind of that desert eighties when American soccer was kind of trying to re refine its footing. And so yeah. no, I never saw him play, but saw him many times at events, at games. And then the one time I interviewed him. Did you ask him about uh, appearing in Victory, the movie? I did not. And, you know, I recommend everyone go out there and watch Victory. There's also another movie he was in called Hot Shot, which is a movie from the mid-80s that I watched. Um, the night of his, the day of his death, I watched it that night. I had never seen it. And it's a very, you know, sort of cheesy 80s sports movie. Yeah. But, you know, Pelé fashioned himself a little bit as an actor, but also as a singer. If you go on YouTube, he, he sang in Portuguese. He was in Victory, which is probably one of the best sports movies out there. Uh, he appears with many other soccer legends in that movie. It's, it's about it's about these German soldiers playing a game against prisoners of war. Pelle does not play himself, obviously. He plays a soccer player. Right. Um, but I think as a tribute to him, if you had never seen that movie, actually, the movie turned 40 years old, I think, last year. It's yeah, old. it's a great movie. It's a great movie. It really is. Also, it, it features a very young goalkeeper played by Sly Stallone. So, <laughs> so if you get the yeah, chance, I remember, I, I remember watching that, uh, you know, as a young, young man, I guess. And uh, I don't want to give anything away, but they, the guy that those, the, the guy that was playing the goalie, they broke his arm so he could, so Stallone could play goalie because he was an no. American. And that really, I always, that always hurt me. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned that that's the one scene that really stuck out to me too, all these years later of like, intentionally breaking someone's forearm and yeah totally so yeah it's funny you, you said that as i was thinking about it 
So that was a good movie. Well, you know, Pele obviously was a, uh, an ambassador for the game. And uh, as you said, he, he transcended soccer. And, uh, you know, I remember him in the 70s playing with the Cosmos. And, they, you know, the game, those games were on TV back then. So it was kind of neat, neat to watch him. And, uh, you know, he uh, he had that that uh, charisma, right? The, that extra thing that that some guys have and some guys don't and, you know uh, Messi obviously has it and uh, and some of these other guys have it but Pele is is one of the guys that he had that that uh, extra thing that made him special yeah for no for sure for sure well we got hockey right we're deep into hockey here my friend uh you know the uh, upper deck of course is the only place that you can get hockey cards and uh young guns everyone wants young guns if you collect hockey cards you want the young gun cards that's kind of the the hot thing uh have you been have you been acquiring hockey cards and who are some of the rookies to watch for this year yeah um no good question so yeah no i i always get a box of upper deck series one i open them but i will say you know opening hobby boxes is kind of the empty calories of of uh of the isn't it you know what i know hockey but i'm not i'm not a hockey expert i i freely admit that so i get a box a a box of series one every year and i open it and i maybe know 20 percent of the guys i go through these guys i'm like who are these guys yeah so i think we talked about this off camera um one time about just not knowing the rosters. And I do think part of that is, well, I, I do divide my time among many other sports, not just soccer, but like college football and the NFL and, and baseball's coming up. And so it's, yeah, much, it's hard, much harder, but I also think rosters have gotten bigger during the pandemic. There were a lot of people, players called up who then got young guns cards who played five games, never to be seen again. You know, there's a lot of that going on too. So you have to sort of consider that. I think rosters are deeper. Players get called up more, especially the last couple of years. So, you know, what I always look at is I, I get myself a box. I do like getting the base set of series one. And I will admit that one box doesn't do that. Obviously, you need two, two and a half boxes, which becomes yep. pricey because, you know, people looking for the parallels and all that stuff. I don't really care for those. I tend to sell those off to try to finish my base set and then and then get the young guns I want. So, you know, the young gun I think everybody's looking to get is Matty Beneers. Um, he's having a great season. He could be rookie of the year. You know, his young gun card is going about for, for about $75 on eBay. If you can get it, if you can, if you can, you know, it doesn't get the big, doesn't get too hot. You know, a box of upper deck hockey is, you know, like 150 or 120. No, I know it's not cheap anymore. Not cheap. So I'm always telling people, look, you know, instead of buying three boxes, why don't you just save $300 and try to get young guns? If you want young guns, I mean, people want young guns. The problem with prospecting young guns is that, you could end up with a Todd Van Poppel, you know, like baseball, like you could end a up lot. with a, <laughs> a yeah, lot of them. Yeah, you could end up with a guy whose young gun card is worth $2, never to be seen again, even if he's, even if he was in the top 10 draft. So I always tell people, I don't prospect rookies. I, I, I try to go for the 200 cards in the base set. And then the young guns, I don't really rush to get. What I do is I try to prospect Hall of Famers because those are the players I think, okay, well, these guys maybe have a chance to go into the hall of fame and i want to get their rookie card from their hall of fame year because maybe the card came out 10 years ago or 15 years yep. ago i don't have it for whatever reason so for example like i'm looking at players like do i want to get henrik lundquist's young guns card because he might end up in the hall of fame he was a rangers goalie never won the cup but one of the best rangers goalies you know curtis joseph he sh- he's another goaltender should be in the hall of fame you know goaltenders are not respected in, in hockey no in i hockey. agree Hockey collecting, especially unless you're going for Ken Dryden or Patrick Waugh, 
You're not going to maybe Tony Esposito, maybe Tony Esposito, the rest of, you know, you can get rookie cards of even hall of fame goaltenders for relatively cheap. So like Curtis Joseph, wonderful goaltender. I actually met him at the sport card expo in Toronto. And you know, I want to make it a point to say, you know, you and Drew and I need to end up in Toronto one day. I agree. It's the best show. And we yeah, have, I, went, I we went, haven't been. Yeah, I went in June because it got moved from the spring. I, I had a chance to go for a couple of days. I mean, look, it's 95% hockey, but two things are going on there. One, it's just amazing. You know, it's like the national, but lots of hockey. And then there was some soccer and, and, and auto racing. That was, you know, and, and a lot of exposed baseball. That's all they had, you know. Well, and no, it's nice is they have the OPG up there. So you can get the OPG for a good, not for a good price. Exactly. And they had stuff I saw there that at, at the national or any American show would cost double. So the thing is, you have to get over the fact that you're using Canadian money. You have to sort of figure out, you know, how much that it's one for one now. So it's a little easier to figure out. But also the people are much nicer than they are in America, let's be honest. And it's just a really immersive hockey experience. And then I got to meet Curtis Joseph. I got his autograph. And it's funny, the guy ahead of me had his Opeechee Premier rookie card, which is Opeechee Premier from 91 is a 90, 91, 92. Those are great sets if you want to collect them. And he said, oh, my rookie card. He goes, what's this worth, like $5? With <laughs> Curtis Joseph, he, he, came, he came of age in the league when there was junk wax. And so unfortunately, guys like him and Jeremy Roenick, you're not going to spend a lot of money on their rookie cards, even though they might be worth more. That's why I think a lot of people try to get them autographed and slabbed, try to create some more, um, you know, value for them, especially the 10. But like, I'm, I'm, try I'm trying to look for rookie cards of like a Rick Nash, Lundquist, Rod Brindamore. Yeah, Rick Nash is a great TTMer as well. I've got him through the mail. Yeah, I got him in the mail. And but the same time, like he could become a Hall of Famer and then maybe he won't sign in the mail or maybe his rookie cards will climb. So I try to prospect those players because, you know, the, another player that, you know, another young gun I don't have that I want is David Pasternak, I think. Me too. Yeah, I can't he, believe I never I never got his card. Exactly. And look, it's only gone up in price. I know we spoke off camera a couple of months ago where I told you the Bruins would have a great season. You're my witness. They're having. You are. I, we'll having talk about that in a minute because I, yeah. I was on the other I, I was on the yeah. other end. Yeah. And so like, you know, uh, Pastor Nick's Young Gun cards, 2014, 15, look, in, in a 10, it's probably $500. But I'm thinking at a, at a sport card expo, maybe raw, maybe you get that for $200, which is not crazy. I think if you, so I would prospect, I would spend $200 on him rather than an Owen Power who could, you know, could end up having a great season, but he could also end up becoming a bust. I don't know. Or, or maybe even like a Lafreniere, like I was all in on Lafreniere a couple of years ago. Has he emerged? He's, he's decent. He's young. He's on a young line. You know, he's on the you know, third line for the Rangers and he could become a huge talent. Just the fact that hockey, like many other sports, if they don't emerge after two or three years, you have to sort of wonder, are they going to, to make it? Right. And but so, the, like, no, no, who's coming up was the, the guys on the Sabres, the Sabres, they, you know, the, they have all these uh, first round picks and I watched them the other night and they played a great game. And I think they're starting to come into their own as a team and a, as a player, though, those, all those guys that they drafted in 2017, 18, 19, they're all starting to be good players. Yeah, no, it's the Sabres. Yeah, for sure. The problem is they, they play in a market that is, doesn't get the respect that you No, I know. Like Phil Housley, remember I mean, he yeah. was, yeah. And so my fear is that, you know, like I mentioned, Owen Power, it's like, okay, but, you know, also as a defenseman, it's much harder to, to, you know, like goaltenders, they don't get the respect, you know, it's like soccer, you score goals, you get attention. You're right. Everyone Just my, my boy, Cal McCart is doing well though. 
he's the only one, but he he reminds me a little bit of like a Brian Leach, where he 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 will score tons of goals, you know, and, and he's an offensive defender, you know, and defenseman in that sense. But yeah, you know, Buffalo is not a market. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a sleepier NHL market, and I think players out of there tend to want to get traded, you know, eventually if they if they emerge. Look, if Buffalo were to win the Stanley Cup, that would be totally different. Yeah, I mean, those kids are talented. They're all fast and they're big and yeah. it would re-energize, I think, the franchise. But then, you know, getting to what we we're going to talk about, which is, you know, when when players do well, like in, in Boston, then it's a different different sort of outlook. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what do you think Brad Marchand is a uh, Hall of Famer? I think he is. And I think if Pasternak Marchand, if you want to get they're young guns. Look, they're they're trending high now, obviously. I just don't see I, I see them both in the Hall of Fame in the next 10, 12 years, depending on how many more years they play in the league. I, I think they're they're exceptional players. Again, they don't get the respect that they probably should, even though they're very good players. Um, but maybe this this season people are gonna wake up to the Bruins. They're not just have the best record in the league. I think they've only lost like nine games. And they are trending towards records here. And I know we spoke about the Bruins in preseason off camera. And yeah, you know what? I was so down on them, Clemente. I thought they had all these young guys. They had you no, know, uh, they had four or five guys that were hurt that were that were coming back late. And I thought they were going to get off to such a slow start that it was going to be a long season for the bees. But boy, have they uh, they proved me wrong. I mean, they could afford probably to go on like a 15 game losing streak and still probably end up winning the division, you know. So, you know, in that sense, they have a cushion now to go to but as you know you know having the best record you know winning the president's trophy doesn't mean the stanley cup i know it happens all the time right i don't say sharks of the last 10 years can, are proof of that you know great regular season records and they they're bust in the playoffs so but if the momentum keeps going you know i can see them really competing for the cup and that, and that would that would definitely elevate these players even higher than they are and their young guns would worth, be worth even more money we saw last year with kale mccarr you mentioned him when uh, colorado won the stanley cup his value just skyrocketed because everyone wants to jump on that wagon you know um when it happens and so the, the key in in collecting is to try to ride that wave ahead of time or at least try to at least you know keep an eye on that that's why i'm always looking at veterans on very good teams who have young gun cards as opposed to rookies who we have no idea what's going to happen and look lafreniere when he first joined the league i mentioned him again his, his young guns card was going for $500, which is insane. Of course, it went down after that. But there are people who bought when it was high. When right. he's that high and he's a rookie and he hasn't played a game yet, you only have one place to go but down. So Yeah, you know, I mean, look, remember Eric Lindros. Remember how big he was? He was supposed to be the next big thing, right? He was supposed to be Wayne Gretzky. And, you know, he had a pretty good career. Don't get me wrong. But he, he was not Wayne Gretzky or, or, or Gordie Howe or Bobby Hall. No, no, he was a big guy, I remember, and but he then became concussion prone later in his career. There was a huge fight over the the Rangers and the Flyers to get him because the Nordiques signed him. He didn't want to play for Quebec and all that. Yep. He also came of age in the junk wax era. And his future stars scorecard, which every kid had to have, that yep. card is not. I mean, yeah, I've seen it. It's in, like the grip, it's like the 89 Griffey upper deck card, right? It was it like everyone wanted it. Everybody wanted it, but it's not worth a whole lot. And I know they're trying to tell you, well, if it's a 10 and a slab, it's worth hundreds of dollars. But there's so many copies of them out there that, you know, I mean, I had alone in high school, I had like six of them, you know, um, that I pulled or that I got out of the box. Or I remember I had to buy the full score box to get not just that card, but the five extra cards that came of him, yep. and, you know, because score had the exclusive with him at the time. And so he couldn't appear on other cards. Um, Upper deck well, kind of cheated and put him in a Canada Jersey. He was wearing a Canada 
uh, a uniform and one of the cards, a checklist card they had. And that's how they got around uh, doing Lindros. But I remember if you went to card shows in 91, 92, it was Lindros everywhere. And it turned out that, you know, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, but he's not Gretzky. He's not uh, He's not even Mario Lemieux. He's not even in that group. So Right. I grabbed a, uh, a Yager rookie card. I think it was a score rookie card um, at a card show for like a dollar. It was in a dollar box. You know, it, yeah. it, it, but just because it was a junk era card. But Yager's one of, one of the best, you know, 50 players in the in the history of the league. And Yager is definitely a Hall of Famer, even though he, he won't stop playing at age 50 or whatever he is. So because he keeps playing, they can't make him eligible. But he's doing card shows now. He was at the Sport Card Expo. Yeah. And he's going to be, I think, at the National, I mean, this summer. So he's going to be signing more. And he's not a TTMer. And he's also not someone who did a lot of shows. I think he realizes he can cash in on the nostalgia a little bit. Um, and he could, you know, and you know, I saw him at the Sport Card Expo kind of walk out on the stage and sign. and. He's a big guy. He's still a big guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's very nice um, to the people that were there. You know, what was interesting about the Sport Card Expo is people were lined up very properly. And I remember, like, the lines at other shows I've been to in America where it's like... Yeah, they're all over the place. Yeah, they're free-for-all. And people were staying there, talking in an orderly fashion. I thought, you know, why do I go to the National every year? Or why did I go to the National last year? I should just go to the Sport Card Expo. I got lucky in 22 and went to both. Um, I'm probably not going to go back to Toronto uh, this year, but I probably will be at the national. Hopefully I'll, I'll see you there. And yeah, we'll be there. We'll be, we'll be in uh, Chicago this year. Chicago's a great place for it. I've gone, I, I've, I've taken side trips to go to Chicago just for the Chicago sports spectacular, which is a great show too. Yep. Um, I've been to two of those. Um, so yeah, Chicago's a great venue for the people that went to Atlantic city. This is a, a complete 180 in terms of hotels, accommodations, um, ease, easy. It's safe. Um, yeah, safety <laughs> safety which is key i think all those things are in chicago's favor and if it was up to me even though i'm not from chicago i would have it there every year it's 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 a halfway point between the west coast and the east coast and it's also i mean i land at the airport i take a shuttle to the to the hotel then from the hotel i walk through a tunnel i'm in the convention center it's you can't beat that right i agree all right well what are the three rookies we should look for this year in uh the nhl so, you know, I said Matty Beneers. I think he could be Rookie of the Year. Is, you know, his young gun cards will keep going up. And the problem is, is that um, if you don't buy now and you wait until he wins Rookie of the Year, well, then now you're spending uh, a lot more money, um, you know, for that card. So if you want to buy it, buy now, you know. Um, Owen Power, you know, I think he's, you know, a great player. I think... He has a long tail too. I think he has um, a chance to really be a breakout star, Kale McCarr style. I think so. I think those are the two I would I would uh, focus on, um, especially as people are going to card shows in the next few weeks and months. Um, those are the kind of cards I would look for in the showcase. I think those are the two. Those I think are the two big ones um, to go for. But then I would also look back to maybe last year and try to get you know get that Lafreniere card from two years ago. Yeah. It's not worth as much as it was then, but like I said, you know, get that card or maybe like a Jack Quinn or something like that. You know, you could, you could go back a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of rookies got held over and they got put in this year's set when they played last year. Yeah. So I really, can, I really like Quinn. I, I think he's a, he's a player. Yeah. So I think there's a couple of these guys, like you said, you know, you can't go wrong with just go down the Buffalo Sabres roster I think those guys like Owen Power and Quinn, they're a little cheaper because I think Buffalo is not that, like we mentioned, not that market, not that big market. And I think 
that maybe they're a little underrated because no one really cares if Buffalo has got a great record or not. So I would look at that and the team, you know, Sal and I always joke around when, you know, I see Sal and he talks about this all the time too, which is, you know, people don't know hockey as well as they know other sports. And they're always looking for Ovechkin, Ovechkin. But the thing is Ovechkin is like messy. He's like super high ceiling, you know, and they're looking for Ovechkin young gun, which by the way, I got, I got lucky. I bought it five years ago. You can never afford it today. And I bought it wrong. You can never afford it today because it's a lot of them are slabbed, obviously. And because he's going to, within the next two years, he might beat Gretzky's goals record. And once he does that, you know, I say prospect Hall of Famers, we know he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He can, he can retire tomorrow. He'd be a Hall of Famer. So don't chase those cards. But those, those cards are being chased by people who don't really know anything about hockey. They just know Tom Brady, Ovechkin, Messi. You know, they know like five names. And, and they're looking to flip their cards and their fancy metal cases. And they're all like 18 years old. And they're all running around the card shows doing that. And that's not what we're doing. We're more site collectors, long-term long-term investors. I, I hate the name and term investor, but the truth is you should be aware of what you're spending because everyone has a budget and you want to buy what you like. And I, I always tell people buy what you like, but also be aware that you might be buying high or buy, you know, you, it's almost like a stock. If you can buy low, it's much better than buying high. And look, and if you're looking for an Owen Power, you might get lucky and get his young guns or a parallel card in the, uh, in a box. If you want to buy a box of, uh, uh, upper deck series one go for it you know it's always a fun rip and i always rip one you know in november when it comes out because to me it's like the start of the nhl season sure i didn't do it this year because the world cup had me just busy but at some point i will do that you know what i used to do too is i used to like to rip cards on like new year's because the, the nhl always had the outdoor game and i'm a big fan of that i think it's the nhl needs all the marketing help it can get and you know the nba has christmas uh, the NFL has a Super Bowl and have Thanksgiving. And I think it's good that the NHL has kind of taken New Year's Day or New Year's weekend to be their own. Honestly, the Bruins game against the Penguins was a lot of fun. Wasn't give, it? Yeah. <laughs> Gibney Malkin scores a goal with like 0 0 0. It was too late. And the puck went in and the game was over. It was 2 to 1. It was a really exciting final. It was late. It was a late goal, though. It wasn't good. It, wasn't it was good. late, but it was exciting. One second earlier, they would have tied it. And the other thing, too, is that. Um, it was a close game and the, the third period was really, really fun. And, you know, um, it's the kind of thing that I think even fair weather hockey fans watch because they're home, it's new year's and they're home. And I think it's good. The league does it. I know that they've been doing this outdoor game for a while now. It's lost a lot, a little bit of its luster, but Fenway, Fenway park is just a, an amazing venue, as you know, a storied venue and to have a game there is, is pretty exciting. And I think, you know, if the NHL could keep doing these things, all-star weekends, you know, you know, the, the Stan Cup finals to try to put the sport in a little bit like soccer, you got to put it in front of people. Otherwise people are going to forget about it. And what ends up happening is we say hockey is the fourth sport in America, but the truth is it may be the fifth or sixth. It may be falling behind auto racing. And, right. and it's too, it's too bad. They can't keep the momentum going though, from the, from the, uh, you know, the winter classic. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now you got to wait three months until the playoffs when the best hockey is. And right. this, the, you know, and the all-star game has lost such a, a, its luster. It used to be a great event, but it's not anymore. So the American t attention, uh, you know, is really you wait until the Stanley Cup final, you know, Stanley Cup playoffs to really get great hockey. Yeah, the analogies with soccer, I think, are really good because I think it's true. It's, you know, and that was the great thing about being in Toronto, where there it's like being in Brazil for soccer. They live and breathe hockey. And it was fun to see that and also talk to collectors who, you know, they knew baseball because they were either, um, you know, uh, 
Expos fans of old or they are Blue Jays fans. And then they really, really know hockey. And that was fun because you don't see a lot of that in this country. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm in New York City, so I got to get to, you know, for me, a trip to Toronto is not that far. And you're in Boston. It's even closer, probably. Um, so in that sense, you know, that's probably the show we should be gravitating to as opposed to the national. But the national is, a you know, an annual meeting spot for everybody. So I get that, too. But no, if, you have, if you have money in your budget, try to go to both. What do you think of Patrice Bergeron? He kind of snuck up on me. He's always been a great player, right? He's always been a great face-off guy, Lady Bing guy, the whole nine yards. But I they they flashed a, a statistic the other day that he had just passed Phil Esposito in goals scored for the Bruins. And it's like, really? I, you know, he, he's just been around for so long. Uh, do you think he's a good, he's one of those like diamonds in the rough, good investment type guys? He might be. I think he's, you know, one of these players, you know, there's a lot of these guys in the NHL who are, you know, under kind of under the radar. And, you know, if in hockey, you can play until, you know, he's 37 years old, which is not, he's not young. Um, and to be able to play that long in the National Hockey League is amazing. And a little bit like Messi, Ronaldo, when you have longevity, you're eventually going to break some records. Yeah. Win championships. But yeah, if you want to go, you know, what I always do is like, okay, look, what, what year was he in the league? Okay, that year. Then you go back and you look for his young guns. Some of these guys predate young guns, which is kind of funny, um, but not in his case. And you can go back and I think he'd be a good investment because he's one of those guys that could get into the Hall of Fame. You know, there's a lot of discussions about the Hall of Fame in baseball because it's so hard to get in. But because of the right, hockey is just the opposite. They yeah, let exactly. In. exactly. Because of the steroid era in baseball, a lot of these second tier guys are getting in the Hall of Fame. But in other Hall of Fames, like the NFL or even the NHL, a lot of guys like a Patouche Bergeron would get in. It wouldn't be a scandal if you got in. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if you're collecting just rookie cards of Hall of Fame players, then, yeah, go ahead and get yourself a, you know, go on eBay or go to a show and look for that card. Especially if you're looking, if, especially if you're going to a show in Canada or in, or in the Northeast, you may find his stuff. Definitely. Why not? I mean, he's breaking records and, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, you hear Lady Bing trophy and you're not thinking, oh, wow, you know, I got to get this guy. But, you know. Um, no harm in being the most gentlemanly, gentlemanly player in the league. And um, aside from that, you know, I think I think he is a good investment. All right, guys, this is Clemente Lise. We are in Clemente's world. Clemente, why don't you let everyone know where they, you can find all your content. And we will have Clemente on every month to talk hockey and soccer and just anything collectible. So, Clemente, why don't you let everyone know about play, uh, Soccer World Planet? I keep to Soccer World. I want to call it Soccer World now. Soccer Planet and your article in Sports Collectors Digest and right. Puck Junk. Yes. So, yeah. So, I had a really slow December, January. So, look out for February. No. So, yeah, you can find my writings at planetsoccer.substack.com. You can find me on Twitter at Clemente Lisi. So, you can tweet at me if you have any want to talk sports, want to talk soccer, hockey, baseball, whatever. Um, and then you can find my column every month at Puck Junk, puckjunk.com. And then I write regularly for Sports Collectors Digest. I write soccer and hockey mostly for them. And, and my new article on uh, messy collectibles is on the website right now. Very cool, guys. If you have any questions for Clemente, send it to me at ttmcast at yahoo.com and we will forward it to Clemente. And as I said, we'll have Clemente on every month, maybe uh, more so if we have something going on, if there's a big show or if there's a big happening in hockey or, or soccer, we'll have him on. Clemente, thanks, buddy. And we'll catch up with you next month. Thank you. So, Drew, I start talking with Clemente, right? And we have a, like an outline, three or four bullet points I'm going to talk about, right? 
And we're like 15 minutes in, we're keeping going. I'm like, this is okay. We keep it going. It's 20 minutes in. Oh, it's a half hour in. We're getting to 45 minutes. I'm, I'm like, Clemente goes, you're going to go to another three hour show with this. I just, he's a great guy. I really love talking to him. He knows his stuff. He knows his hockey. He, know, he really knows his hockey and he knows his soccer. And, and it's kind of two things that don't get a lot of attention that, you know, we, you and I are big hockey guys and we've had Sal on, but uh, it will make us talk hockey for, for, uh, you know, at least one week during the month, which is nice. Yeah. I mean, everybody talks about how there's the big four leagues in the U S with MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL. If you really want to get technical about it, there are three huge leagues and hockey is always kind of trailed behind a little bit. Soccer is closing the gap there as well. So getting those two, especially a little bit more recognition, a little bit more coverage, Absolutely love doing that. So it's, yeah, great having Clemente on there to handle that. Yeah, and if you have any questions for Clemente, you want to present present any questions for Clemente, just send us an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com. And we'll have Clemente address them either on the show or, or we'll send you an email back. But he, you know, Clemente is really very, uh, you know, he knows everything about soccer. He's very, very versed in hockey. He's a big hockey fan and he is a collector too. So um, if you have any questions for Clemente, just send us an email. Well, that wraps up Clemente's world. Next up, Drew, we're going to talk a little cl- uh, collector's corner, right? Collector's corner. So we, we uh, I talked with Jason Voss. Jason is a super Ken Griffey Jr. collector. He has, remember uh, Richard Davis, who's the Wade Boggs Tavern guy, and he's he's kind of like the, the Wade Boggs Tavern guy, but for for Ken Griffey Jr. He has Ken Griffey Jr. basement. He's got a soda machine. He's got all sorts of stuff, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. stuff. I forget, he has like over 100 and 101,000 Ken Griffey Jr. cards which is unbelievable his uh so he they did a nice feature on him in uh on espn and espn.com ryan hawkinsmith remember we had ryan on he wrote this feature on him so he i got to talk to jason about collecting ken griffey jr and his collection and it was really fun talking to him so please enjoy my interview with jason voss and now it's time for collector's corner let's hear from our collector this week all right guys it's time for collector's corner and guys we have a super collector i think of all the guys i've talked to this guy has the most of one player that any than any i've known i've had and i had the guy i had richard davis from the the wade boggs collector on so i think you might beat him oh i love him he is he is a great great guy he's awesome well i'm talking of course of jason vast jason is from virginia he is a super ken griffey collector you might have read uh, read about jason in uh ESPN article that was published last year and we're going to talk to Jason about his collection and about Ken Griffey Jr. So welcome to the program Jason. Thank you for having me very much. All right you're welcome Jason. Jason the first question I have to ask you ready? Yep. Seattle or Cincinnati? Seattle. I agree. 100%. I agree it's something you know what I'm a to I'm a guy that likes to have one, a guy on one team for his whole career, Brooks Robinson, Kyle Yastrzemski, those type of guys, Johnny Bench. Uh, when when they go to another new team, it really it bothers me. And, and Ken Griffey Jr. is one of those guys. You know, he he was such a part of Seattle and, and made that team what it was. And uh, you know, I know he wanted to go home to Cincinnati, but it, I bet if you asked him in a quiet moment with no one around, he would have said, "I probably should have stayed in Seattle." Correct. And in, when I found out it was late one night and I was still in the office and 
a buddy of mine called me and said, what do you think about the Ken Griffey Jr. trade? And I said, what are you talking about? And I hit ESPN right then and there. My heart sunk. It really did. Now, I, did I follow Cincinnati afterwards? Absolutely. But I was still a Mariner at heart. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, did you get to talk to him? I know you met him at the Hall of Fame and, and uh, you know, did you get to talk to him a little about making that choice and i'm sure he wanted to get home be home to (laughs) no no i didn't the the words i had with him were were very very short it was just thanking him for what he did for me and for what he did for for baseball in general well i know ken griffey uh in your collection has taken a a huge part of your life right and it has huge meaning to you um is there a reason why you gravitated to court towards griffey as opposed to somebody else it, well, yeah, so, and you would see this in the article on, on ESPN as well. So I had kind of a tumultuous childhood, and I had friends that were doing the bad things, friends that were doing the, you know, typical teenager things. And um, I, when I was at home, I was very reclusive, and some of my friends had started collecting baseball cards and I decided to, to jump in with them. I didn't know anything about it. And one night I'm sitting in uh, my room and I'm reading an article on Griffey and for him to go through and experience some of the things that I experienced and to be able to come out of those things on the positive side of things, it got me thinking, you know, if this person can, come out on the right side of things why can't I and from that day on that's all I collected if if there is something one of my favorite things to do every year is I buy at least one box of Allen and Ginter and if there's anything in that box that's not Griffey that's valuable it doesn't last 10 minutes it's it's sitting on a site somewhere getting sold so I can buy some more King Griffey Jr. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's all I have ever done is is just 100% Griffey. Um, no, I, you know what I saved you know, my I was, life. Re- I was reading uh, the article and learning a little bit more, and I was surprised to see that there's over 21,000 different Griff- Ken Griffey cards. And there um, is. You know, he, he had a, a, a long career, right? And then they've been producing Griffey cards after he retired as well. Um, do you have, is there, is there a, uh, a rare Griffey card or, or a card that you, you think that it's going to be impossible for you to add to your collection? <laughs> so, you know, I, I get that question a lot and I actually say, no, I, I only, I, I grab things that really, really, you know, call to me, if you will. Um, that, that could be a 10 cent card. That could be a $500 card. Um, are there some cards I wish I had? Absolutely. The, um, the Red Crusade of 25 that's worth $25,000, $30,000. I'd love to have, but that's not, that's not going to happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unless I want a divorce. Well, I was going to say your, your wife is, is, is been, uh, so in understanding, right? You, she, this is your second wife, and you you came in, you came in and brought your Griffey collection into her home, and she accepted it with open arms. Correct. I we had the conversation. I said, you know, before you know, we go any further, 
this is a part of me that you need to, you know, understand and accept. And she said, oh, you know, not a problem. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, she didn't understand the true gravity. Now, is she on board? Uh, absolutely. The I have to know, did you come in with the Pepsi machine or was that after you guys got married? No, see, there's another good story. Um, the Pepsi machine she actually bought for me. Wow. So I, I during the height of COVID, uh, my company had us on a no-fly list. So um, me and my buddy, Mike Hevner, one of my programmers, had to drive from Virginia all the way to Fruitland, Idaho. And when that trip was over, we were coming back across the United States, and this guy had the front of the machine in Cincinnati. And I looked at my buddy, Mike, and I said, hey, um, do you want to make a quick pit stop on the way back home? <laughs> <laughs> so we got the front, and my wife told me, if you ever found the front of that machine, I will get you a machine for it, thinking I wasn't going to find it. Oh, yeah, I found it. And she, she, she stuck to her guns, and I, I went to pick up the machine in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I had a buddy of mine um, help me switch out the, uh, the, the fronts. Yep. So we're talking with Jason Vest. Jason is a super Ken Griffey collector. Ken Griffey Jr., we got to get that correct, right? Ken Griffey Jr. collector. Yep. Jason has uh, a basement uh, that is the best man cave in terms of <laughs> covering one one person short of, I guess, Richard and, and Wade Boggs, Wade Boggs Tavern. But it, it, oh, he's got me there. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, it, it it is awesome. He has a, a Ken Griffey a Pepsi machine. He has all sorts of cutouts. He has jerseys, bats, cards, uh, you name it. Uh, is there is there something special in, in there that 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 uh, You'll, you'll never part with? Well, pretty much all of it at this point. <laughs> well, but, I saw that you you donated your uh, the bat that you had pictured with in the um, in the ESPN article. And, yep. and I saw that you gave somebody a Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, upper deck rookie card. So yep. you do part with some of your stuff. Um, correct. Um, the, for example, the, the rookie cards, I've got... I've got so many of them, and sometimes every once in a while, something will hit me. Uh, one of the the guys on our cleaning crew at night, he's a single dad, going through a lot, and his his son was starting to get into baseball cards, and I I pulled out one of my uh, my PSA nines and gave it to him. You never know what someone is going through, and you never know what little gift in this world can change someone's life especially a kid and the bat the bat was going to a a friend of mine um phil he he's got a charity and i i couldn't help it when i heard what his charity is for it's helping kids helping them discover baseball stay off the, the streets and it, it, I had to do something and, and what better thing to do than, than that, you know, Griffey's given me so much life again from when I was a kid. Why can't I, you know, I should do the same thing for somebody else. Is there anything that you've passed on that you wish you pulled the trigger on in terms of Griffey memorabilia? 
you know, it's going to sound silly. The only thing I can truly think of is um, a guy, God, this is probably early, mid-2000s. He actually had the original contract that Griffey signed for one of his cars. It was a car loan uh, agreement that somebody had. And I, 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 I wish I would have. I was getting ready to, and it, it disappeared on me. That hard. <laughs> I love unique stuff. I love the stuff that, you know, normal people wouldn't have. Do you yeah, have, I know you, you keep a pretty good inventory of what, what you have had. Yep. And uh, do you have a running list of what you need? Like, do you have a top 10 of things that you, you want to acquire in terms of cards or memorabilia? Well, so the, when you, you touched on the amount of different King Griffey Jr. cards that are out there, that is actually a pretty well-documented list uh, in Excel. And a buddy of mine on one of my pages, uh, Lucas, he, he updates that twice a year. And it, um, that's our, our running list of things we, we want and things we know we need. So do you have a do you have like a top 10 list of these, these, these things I want to get in 2023 or you just kind of, and how do you get your stuff? Is it basically through eBay or through auction sites or eBay? But so, uh, as you know, uh, card shops through the years had completely dwindled and almost dropped off the face of the planet yep. at one point. And I travel a lot for work and every city that I go to before I leave, I, I, I kind of plot out what card shops are nearby. And I'll always try to get in town a little bit early so I can go to those shops and contribute to local card shops. Those have are you, some of my favorite things to do. Have you, uh, have you gone to a card shop and just cleaned them out of all their Griffies? Yes. <laughs> 100%. And the last time I did it, I was in upstate New York. And he had two, two Griffey boxes. And he said, how about... Um, Nine cents a piece. I said, done. <laughs> Nine cents a piece. That's great. Yep. So you have over a hundred thousand uh, Griffey cards in your own, your own collection. Um, do you have a favorite card in in terms of you know I, I know everyone's gonna say a nineteen eighty nine rookie card. That's a, that's the a greatest that's the greatest card. Do you have a do you have a, a favorite uh, tops card or a favorite card of, of Ken's? So. Um, my fav my absolute favorite card is the 1993 Finest Refractor, and it's not based on the value. It's not based on how it looks. It's based on how I got it. Oh, tell us. So my grandmother just knew the guy's name, if you will. And she, uh, she and my aunt and my mom would always go to yard sales. And she had been to a yard sale the weekend before I came to visit. And she walks up to me and hands me the card and says, I found this at a yard sale. Is this the, the little man that you like? And that's exactly what <laughs> And I looked at it and I saw the color and I began to tear up. And my grandmother literally thought she had done something wrong. And she had bought it for thirty-five dollars. 
And what's it worth? Uh, well, a PSA 10, you're probably looking at eight, nine grand. Wow. Mine's a nine. And that's the only card I have ever really sent off to be graded and, and, um, uh, except for the, the one that I just had sent to, um, uh, was it TGA? Yep. I was going to ask you, how did, how did your relationship start with TGA and how did you like uh, using them? <laughs> George Scott, the third, um, Boomer's son, Boomer Scott's son. He, um, he and I have struck up a pretty good friendship. He is just an awesome, awesome person. I love him to death. We, uh, we, we talk all the time. Uh, we, we share stories. Um, I love hearing stories about his dad. And recently I, I came across some, some pictures online. And one of them was a picture of his mom pitching to him in the backyard. And I thought he was going to cry on me. <laughs> <laughs> and so George started um, dealing with, um, uh, with them and and yeah. talk me into to submitting and I absolutely loved the process. It's easy. They're they're great people. It uh and it was fast. I know a lot of people are PSA PSA or Beckett PSA PSA or Beckett, but I don't. I I don't do what I do to sell. I don't do what I do to make money at all. It matter of fact, it'd be just the opposite. I, I, I do it to, to become broke, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> it is, it, this, this hobby has, has absolutely saved my life. And Junior is absolutely, you know, just going through all this is, it, it's his positivity and this, this hobby's literally saved my life, so. Did you hear from him at all from when your uh, DSPN article was no, not really. And I didn't expect it to. Um, for me, though, the, the article wasn't so much about, you know, the potential of uh, meeting people or meeting Griffey or whatever. It was, I want people to know that, you know, hard times are going to be there and you, you know, not to sound magoo, but you can make it through anything if you just push hard enough. And something small as collecting baseball cards can make a, a huge change in your life and can give you positivity and something else to focus on where, you know, some people just don't have that and they can end up going down the wrong path or it, with mental health issues. It's, it's, you never know what's going to happen. And that's really what I wanted the, the article to be there for, to show people it's okay. Yep. Did you, I know you went to the 2016 Cooperstown into the uh, Hall of Fame induction of Gr yep. Griffey, and that's where you met him. Were you kind of tongue-tied when you met him, or were you kind of awestruck, or it was just, well, what, was your, what was your feeling then? It was, it was surreal for sure. Um, and the, the handshake I got and to be able to thank him and for him just to simply look at me and say, no problem was enough for me. 
it was it was it was absolutely one wonderful it was amazing it really was you know five seconds and that's that's it that that's all i needed you know i didn't need to have you know an hour-long conversation you know they're 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 busy folks and just for the opportunity to be able to shake my hero's hand was enough do your friends and family understand why you do this or or, or, or support you i know your wife your wife does obviously and your grandmother does but is it the the is it you know in the you know five years ago collecting baseball cards was kind of frowned upon you know what i mean like you were you were kind of a freak you what are you <laughs> yep. 12 years old collecting baseball cards but now yep. it's kind of grown into acceptance is has it changed uh you know over the years no so my my family has always been 110 supportive of this now do i get the occasional you know you you could sell that stuff and do this with it and that with it and i'm like yeah, sure could but i wouldn't be as happy and, and, and that's the truth. I, I wouldn't be as happy. What's your plans for your collection? Do you have, do you, do you have a, a, an end game of, of, uh, of the collecting? I know you, you know, you got a great, you got a great room, but either you're going to have to add on to another room or. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it does grow and grow. And right now the, the kids are technically still at home. They're, they're, you know, doing college and that kind of thing. And, if you if and when they you know leave the uh the nest i will move some of the stuff into a room or two <laughs> <laughs> don't tell your wife shh that's quiet, <laughs> quiet. <laughs> and you know it, the the question i get a lot is, is what happens to it when you die and i always tell people i'll take the the real big valued items and uh, pass them to my nephew and my son and my daughter. And then the rest of it that I know they wouldn't want to take with them, I would donate to the Mariners and Reds Hall of Fame. Very, very nice. What's the last thing, uh, last Griffey item that you got? Uh, the last Griffey item I got Let's see, I got a, a stack of Allen and Ginter cards that I, I won from a, um, a break. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll, I'll join a break and um, I got a, a small stack of grapes from that. How, how long have you been collecting? Since 1989. 89. And have you gotten uh, any, have you ever gotten any autographs of Griffey through the mail or are you a TTMer at all? Oh no, I've, I've I've gotten autographs from everywhere. <laughs> I I am so I I'm I'm really anal retentive about the autographs. I actually have a um a buddy of mine, Nick and Rodney, put together a very very nice um kind of time frame of of Junior's autograph all the way from minor leagues all the way up to present. And I share that with as many collectors as I can because there's so many counterfeits out there. And if, if I buy an autograph, even if it doesn't have a, a, um, a COA, I know it's good before I buy it. Yeah, sure. Do you, um, do you have any ticket stubs from any of uh, Griffey's 
uh, games in terms of his first game, his first hit, anything like that? So I, I, I have a lot of home run tickets. Um, his 100, 200, 300, 400, 5, and 600 games I have. The, the one I, I – the two I want more than anything are the first game, but the last one just sold for around three grand. Wow. And the uh, first game with his, uh, with his dad. I want that one something awful too. That's pretty cool. Uh, how do you? I, I know you have a, a room, but how do you display them? Do you keep? You know, do you keep everything? Is there sunlight out of the room? And is how? How do you protect and, and preserve? So there is no sunlight that that comes in the room. It's in the basement, and the and the the two small windows that are in there, I have those covered pretty well. Um, and as as far as my display lighting goes. That only comes on when I'm going to say spend a, a, a lot of time in that room for a day or people come over to see the collection. I, I, I don't put a lot of light on my stuff at all. And you have videos, right? You watch a lot of videos of, uh, you have a lot of videos of Griffey's games and, and some of them memorable. Uh, oh, yeah. Time. Absolutely. Um, do, you have, do you have a favorite moment, a favorite Griffey moment on the field? It's everybody, every Mariner's uh, favorite moment when Junior slides across uh, home plate in 1995 to beat the Yankees. How about, um, do you have programs, you know, uh, programs from, from his memorable games? And oh, absolutely. League, I've, minor I've league games. stacks of those. I've got two minor league ones. I've got stacks and stacks of those, though. Absolutely. Do you have, how about uh, Sports Illustrated? Do you have autographed Sports Illustrated of them? I, I do. And I, I, so Junior does um, a signing every year with TriStar. Yep. And this year was the first year that we all saw that Junior will not sign the Yankee Killer Sports Illustrated cover. And I actually have one of those that caught, but we can't figure out why he won't sign the Yankee Killer anymore. I wonder why. I Did don't I know. He didn't say anything. He hasn't nope. said anything. All it says on the on, on the page when you send your stuff in is these are the items he won't sign or can't sign. What else won't he sign? Just for collectors. Um, non, uh, like your off-brand jerseys. He won't sign those. Yep. He's not allowed to sign those. The um, uh, anything. Well, I can't say anything. Uh, there there are some third-party things he won't sign. Okay. Um, but but there's not a lot he won't. We're speaking with Jason Vass. Jason is a super Ken Griffey Jr. collector. He is on Twitter at Griffey Super, right? And he yep. is on Facebook. What's your Facebook handle on? Jason Vass. Jason Vass. And he actually is in two uh, Ken Griffey groups. So if you're a super collector, a collector of Ken Griffey memorabilia, you can join his Facebook groups. Jason, why don't you let people know the name of the Facebook groups? So there's Ken Griffey Jr. Collectors. There's Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, Collectors Universe. Those are the, the, the big two. Okay. And uh, how many people are in the group? Are there a lot of people out there like you? <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Um, with as many cards? No, they think I'm crazy for that one. Um, 
but um, there in in one page it's a little over a thousand, and the other one where we're kind of really anal retentive about who comes in, there's like six or seven hundred. Okay, that's still pretty good. And uh, I I love the the basin where you have the card filing system. You can see mine behind behind me. Yeah, I, I saw I have that a little one. But... On. I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you, where did you get things. that? Because I really love it. Jason. Jason in his basement has this huge old, it's like a library card filing system. That's right? exactly what it is. Yeah, it's beautiful. With all, with, that's where you keep all your, your cards? Yep. So do you, the, do you the, sleeve them up or do you have them in penny sleeves or are they just raw? So the the all of your, say, dime cards and that kind of thing, they're all just penny sleeved. But the anything that's, you know, five dollars and above is either in a hard case or a um top loader and so the the first one i i got i was living in dc at the time and i drove all the way to new jersey for that one and when i moved back here to lynchburg um i was on just a card collecting page and this guy had pictures of the hall of hallways of these library card catalogs oh i'm so jealous i want them <laughs> and i about jumped out of my seat and i was like oh my god where are these and they happened to be at catholic university in dc i i called my dad and said hey i want to borrow the truck for the day i took a vacation day and i drove up and they had them for 200 dollars a piece wow those things are heavy too aren't oh, they oh god yes they are yeah, and guys, you got to check out the article, the ESPN article on Jason. Uh, Ryan Hawkinsmith wrote it. We've had Ryan on the show before. It's oh, a, Ryan's awesome. I love yeah, he, Ryan. He's a great guy. But go to ESPN. Just put in, type in Jason Vass, V-A-S-S, and you can see the article. And you can see a picture of Jason's uh, man cave, his Griffey room. And you can see the the card catalogs that we're talking about the, there. It, it's just awesome. You see mine. Mine's a, mine's a little one, but it's still, I, I, I need about 100 of them. No, that, that, that one is beautiful. Yeah, you, you can never have enough of them, that's for sure. Um, they're, it, it's just a really, really nice and unique way to be able to um, display your, your card or store your cards. Did you do you have any? I know you have a couple of Griffey uniforms. So how did you get a hand hold of those, the uniform tops? eBay. eBay? Yep um any any game use stuff or is it just oh lord yeah so my my favorite non uh say card item would have to be my um uh game used bat uh and home run 481 that was that 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 481 bat is my pride and joy absolutely my pride and joy do you have any all-star game stuff in the all-star game uniforms or oh yeah I've, I've got i'm missing the 97 jersey um but I've, I've pretty much got all the all the all-star jerseys except for that one well guys follow jason jason is on twitter at griffey super uh and he's also at jason vast g j a s o n v a s s on facebook he is involved with a couple of facebook groups uh that are griffey collectors if you're a griffey collector go join it there's a there's a bunch of people as jason said i think there's a thousand people in in one of his groups the other one has seven or seven eight hundred if you uh if you have any griffey stuff that you want to unload right 
Call Jason. <laughs> reach out to reach out to Jason. Jason is always looking. Jason's uh, collection in uh, this was last year is worth over four hundred thousand dollars. Is that still about the value? Uh, let me pull up my Excel sheet now. Thanks, pal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, five hundred and twenty-two six twelve. There you go. Five hundred and twenty-two thousand dollars. He actually has. Um, he insures it. He is insured, which is guys. We've talked about that before to insure your collection. Um, did when when the insurance people came in and looked at your stuff, they're like, okay, well, you're in. We'll we'll insure you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, it, yeah, it's, that's, that's an interesting process in itself. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have, it, you, you're in better shape than most people because you have it all inventoried in an in Excel spreadsheet and how much it, it's basically worth. And it's, you know, it's, you're very organized, which I, I'm jealous of. Well, now, so that's the only thing I'm organized with. <laughs> so I have, um my, my good days and my bad days is you know as far as mental health goes if you will and uh when i log stuff that really really helps me stay you know to to erase my day or deal with how i'm feeling sometimes it is it is a wonderful release it is it you tend to your your day or your bad time just seems to just drift away you forget about it and you take it gives you the opportunity to take a deep breath and 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 recharge, so you can go back at it again. Out of the is your collection still at one hundred one thousand cards, Griffey cards, or is it? Climbed? Oh no! Since since the article, I am now at one hundred twenty three thousand nine hundred and one. And which card do you have the most of? <laughs> so that's the nineteen ninety Donneris number three sixty five. Okay. Do you like the ninety uh, tops with the, the 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 one that supposedly there's an error? <laughs> that whole thing. I know with the gold cup and the and the, the the bruise on the arm, and did they Photoshop it out? And <laughs> that is. It, I don't it, understand it. Why that? What, what that is was, all about? It it's never been a documented quote unquote error, if you will. It it's just. You can call them variations, but the the ones that drive me bananas who they're put the bloody scar out there on eBay for you know a thousand dollars. Come on, man! I know we're talking a nineteen ninety car here. Yep, and and you're the the again quote unquote bloody scar is actually the most common one. The there is a scribble version, kind of like the Billy Ripken. There is a scribble version. And that one's really hard to find. Out of the 700 that I have, I have maybe one or two scribbles. But again, it's never been documented. It's never been like like the Billy Ripken. That's all of those are well documented. Right. The the juniors not. It's just not. Do you have any favorite, um, you, you know, uh, memorabilia patches or, or patch and autograph cards that you know they they were always kind of, you know. Tops triple plague asm and the, they all they always come out with those. Do you have any good Griffey cards? Because the, he really played after the, all that kind of became prevalent, right? Well, no. So the 1997 upper deck was the very first patch card, and that one's worth a small fortune now. Um, that's that's got to be my my favorite. Um, there was Griffey, Tony Gwynn, and and I forgot the other guy. There were only three different ones. And uh, 
that's that's again the the first documented jersey cards out there. And that's, how about, that's how, how about some of the recent ones? I you know sometimes they have um, you know they'll have like three or four signatures on a card. It's does Griffey featured in any of those? Oh yeah, he's uh, so some of the one of the ones I would like, and and there's there's all kinds of them now from tops to leaf to um, to Panini is the anything with him and Mike Trout on it. I don't have any of those. I just I really really like watching Mike Trout play and to have an autograph of both of them together would be fantastic. I like the, uh, the leaf, the lumber Kings, those, that they have yes. some nice, they have some nice ones. Yeah, they are nice. Well, we're talking with Jason Vest. Jason is a super Ken Griffey collector. You can follow him on Twitter at Griffey super. And he is also on Facebook. He, uh, if you've got Griffey cards, he's the man. If you have Griffey questions, he's the man. Jason, you want to give out your email address if people want want to follow follow you or have questions about Griffey? Sure, it's um, it, it it's simple. It's jasonvass.com at, at hotmail.com. J a s o n v is in Virginia a s s at hotmail.com. And I, if it helps, I'm also on Instagram at turtle Griffey. And he's also collecting George Scott cards, the boomer. Yes. He started absolutely collecting. I am. I, I, I started in on that. And people are looking at me like, what? Are you collecting something other than Griffey? Like, absolutely. With um, with his son and I, the, our, our friendship has been just fantastic. And um, he really got me into researching his dad. And I started collecting some of his dad's stuff. Do you remember him? You're a little young. Do you remember him as a player? I I, I don't at, at all, but <laughs> I started finding stuff on YouTube and of course things out on the internet. And it's been it's been neat. And hearing uh hearing George Jr.'s stories have been fantastic. Yeah, he was he was uh and he had an infectious smile. He loved the game he was a great hitter you know i'm from boston so i remember george uh in the late 70s and, and even to the early 70s when he was with the milwaukee brewers yeah um, and you know just as a kid you always wanted to hit a tater but because of george scott he, <laughs> and he he was a great fielder too he you know he yep. he, he definitely deserves consideration for hall of fame correct um, but he, you know, he's a, he was a, a great guy. If you, you got to collect somebody, George Scott is one, one of the ones. Now I know you had, was Mark McGuire the other one you were into, Mark McGuire? No, so my very first baseball card was the 1989 score, Mark McGuire. And okay, I, I knew Mark McGuire had, had, yep. had a place for you. Do you, um, do you collect these, do you collect uh, recent cards now or are you just pre pretty much vintage and, and going with anything for Griffey and now George Scott? Anything Griffey Jr. related, I'm, I'm going to do my best to see what I can get. <laughs> All, right, Paul, All the way thank, to present. Jason, thank you very much for your time. It, it was great to talk uh, collecting with you and Ken Griffey Jr. and uh, George Scott. I'm actually going to head up to uh, TGA on uh, Wednesday to meet the Good. boys and see their operation. I haven't been up there yet, so I'm going to go. TGA is great. Yep. So I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, best of luck with your collection. Did last one, one last question, then I'll let you yep. go. You, you have that huge banner that from the Seattle with the Griffey banner that was bigger than you thought it was going to be. You mentioned it in the article. Yep. Have, you have you found a space for that yet? 
I have not. It is still rolled up, and I have no idea what to do with it. Does it kill you when you look at that? You're like, oh, I wish I had a spot for it. Yes, I do. I've I've been through everything. Like, can I put it on the floor somehow and cover it with plastic or, you know, and I just, I, I don't have a way to display it. I just don't. I wish I did. When I had a farm, um, I told my wife I was going to unroll it and put it on the side of the barn. And she said, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> See, she's understanding to a point. To a point. I have my room. My room has my stuff has to stay in my room. I don't know about you. Oh yeah. Now I I put a couple of magnets on the fridge, and this was like a a month or so ago. And I come upstairs. She goes, Jesus Christ! He's, now he's on the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Well, Jason, Happy New Year. Best of luck collecting. Happy New Year to you too, and thank you for everything, Welcome. my good friend. Thank you. It was nice to meet you. You too. Be safe. You too. Bye. Drew, I love Collector's Corner because we get to talk to people that are passionate about collecting like you and I. So, guys, if you're interested in uh, being on Collector's Corner, we've got like three or four people lined up right now, but we always love to talk to fellow collectors. So send us an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com. Yeah, and we'll get you on. You know, we just as long as you're into something, uh, you know, we're going to we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you. I have a, a super... Um, South Boston Celtics collector that I'm going to talk to next week. We've got a, a, a couple of TTMers that we're going to talk to already lined up. So we got a lot of collect. We have a lot of collectors, and we love talking to collectors. If you're you're one of the guys that uh, enters a contest all the time and you like to be on the show, reach out to me because we love we love to talk to you. We got Andrew uh, Williams, who's one of our collectors. We're going to talk to him next week. He's one of our listeners. So uh, we love Collectors Corner. So send us an email, and we will get you on. Next up, we're going to talk a little contest. Drew, anytime I get stuff to give away to the listeners, I, I really, really enjoy it. I, mm-hmm. I love I love giving stuff to our listeners. We really appreciate the, the listeners. We haven't... I don't think we've had anything in a couple of weeks since since our give a card, get a card. Well, our friends at 757 Shows, they have guys coming in signing autographs all the time. And uh, he sent me an email, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. He said, hey, you want, I got a bunch of autographs I, I can send you to give away to your listeners if you want. I'm like, that's awesome. Thank you. So he, I got a bunch of uh, five by seven autographs pictures they're all mostly all baseball i think there's a couple football in there but i'm going to give away a, a packet of three autographs you're going to get a howard johnson autograph from the mets rudy may from the yankees then i got another one so there'll be three autographs you get um three five by sevens they're all color they're nice the autographs are nice clean clean autographs they're from our friends at 757 shows go to 750shows.com uh you know they have a show coming up at the end of february dwight gooden's going to be there uh but if you want to enter to win uh, a packet of three autograph five by seven autographs send an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com yeah, put 757 in the subject line, okay? So I know 757 on the subject line will enter you, and uh, we'll pick the winner next week. All right, Drew? Cool. Sounds good. All right. I love doing contests. So that, that wraps up contests. Next up is, wait, I got to get my radio voice. I'm, I'm, uh, making the Grade. Making the Grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win.
Well, making the grade is the summary of what's been going on in the grading community. I just want to remind everyone, our friends at CSG has extended their 20% offer to the end of January. So you only got a couple more weeks to take advantage of it. Go to csgcards.com. That's csgcards.com. You get save 20% off their all grading, all their grading services. I'm not sure if they're going to continue it again. I don't, I don't know. They've already extended it twice. I don't see them extending it again. Gives you a chance to get back into the grading community. Grading, you know, if you you're thinking about You've been sitting on the sideline wondering if you should get your cards graded. Go to csgcards.com. Save 20% up until the end of January. Some other news from CSG. Yes, CSG has graded a set of 1910 E98 cards, which is uh, one of the early releases there, of course, from the 1910s. The great thing about that one is nobody knows who came out with that card set at all. Sometimes it was the anonymous set, the E98 set there, but... Coming up with, uh, yeah, CSG has graded that. It has a, uh, Ty Cobb came in at a 9.5, which is absolutely amazing for a card of that age. I know. Imagine 200... having a card from 19, from 1910. That's a 9.5, Drew. That's amazing. I mean, the oldest card that I have is like around that era. It's one of the T205 ones. And when I sent it to Beckett, it came back as, I think, authentic. So there you go. It's, uh. Yeah, I can't imagine seeing one graded that high, but also two Honus Wagners in there, an 8 and an 8.5 on those. So absolutely stunning, it sounds like, that set from CSG uh, that they've graded this week. That's very cool. Well, our friends at Beckett, they have updated their packing slip. There's going to be a uh, barcode on the packing slip, and it, it, what, will, what it will do, it'll let you keep track of every your your order with Beckett. And what you do is you can scan the, the barcode and it will send you automatic email notifications anytime your card moves through the process. It's kind of cool. So congratulations on uh, Beckett. They know they're updating their um, technology, right? Their backend technology. Uh, and uh, it's very cool that Beckett has upgraded their packing slip. Nice. That's some early numbers from a PSA here over the last seven days here into January. Big numbers, though, despite being early on, 276,130 cards graded over the last seven days. So we've always mentioned, you know, that quarter million card mark there where they kind of close to it, kind of close to it. Well, they have just blasted past it here in this previous week. Yeah, Drew, I get um, most of my grading statistics from Gemrate. Um, so we're going to have, I'm going to have Ryan from Gemrate on. I'm actually interviewing him, I think I'm Tuesday. And so we'll have him on in, in uh, a week or two just to talk about grading and, and trends in the grading community. And I just want to thank him. There's, those guys do a great job. Well, that wraps up uh, making the grade. Next up is the TTM Cast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM Cast stamp of approval. Well, Drew, did you eat lunch yet? I mean, breakfast is breakfast time for you. I have not. I've got a coffee waiting on me for as soon as I finish here, but haven't had uh, haven't had any food yet. All right, well, I had a, I had a nice bagel from New York. It was delicious. So I, I am not not that hungry, which is good. So I'm going to let you do your TTM cast stamp <laughs> approval first. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm doing this because I ate this one last night, and I may have done this as a stamp approval before, but I just ate it, so it's worth mentioning again. And that is Jets Pizza. If you have a Jets Pizza near you. For the love of God, go and order up from it. It's a Detroit-style pizza. It's the only Detroit-style pizza that I'm able to find nationwide. I mean, you've got – everybody knows New York-style pizza. You're round, floppy, foldable, you know, slices and everything, usually a real big thing. Everybody knows Chicago-style, which is almost like a casserole inside of a crust, basically. Detroit-style has a super thick bottom crust, no edge crust either. Like, the toppings and cheese will go straight to the edge. It's a, like, burned ring around it of, uh, like, burned cheese on there that's so good. 
And if you do it right, unfortunately, Jets doesn't do it in the right order, but typically a Detroit-style pizza goes cheese, then toppings, and then sauce over the top. They do the sauce and the cheese and the toppings, but I can't really fault them for that. If it's if if you like having the sauce on top, fine. Pay a dollar, they'll give you an extra cup of sauce on the side there. But they are just, I mean, they're so good. They're the first and only, as far as I know, nationwide Detroit-style pizza chain. And I'm glad I've got a slice left in the fridge there because I think I'm going to have that with my breakfast here in a bit. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, Jets Pizza. Jets Pizza there is my stamp of approval for this week. I may have done it before, but it deserves mentioning again. Very cool. Thank you, Drew. Hey, my stamp of approval is wild card weekend for NFL. You know, as I as I moan and bitch about the regular season and all the stupid games, I really enjoy this weekend because they're all playoff games, right? They're all good teams. There's usually good matchups. There's usually one or two upsets. Um, I think the Cowboys and uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers game is going to be a fabulous game. Uh, we have the the Vikings are playing. We have the Bills are playing, right? We have a lot of good uh, the um, the Bengals are playing. A lot of teams that might make make the Super Bowl. So uh, I think we're gonna. I think this is, I think this is the best weekend for football. You have you know you have extra games, right? We have an extra game all the way through Monday night, and I really enjoy Wild Card, card Weekend. It's kind of like um, the, the when they kick off playoff hockey, right? That's always yeah. that's always the first that first week of, of playoff hockey is good. And I think Wild Card Weekend is, is the best that the NFL has to offer because I think usually once they get in later into the rounds, you don't get as many upsets and it's kind of goes chalk, right? Yeah. So while my stamp of approval is this weekend is Wild Card Weekend. Don't bet. Just go and enjoy the games. Even if even if your team's not in it, like me, the Patriots aren't in it again this year. And uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna they're they're, they're threatening to hire an offensive coordinator, which I can't believe. <laughs> so uh, my stamp approval goes to NFL Wild Card Weekend. Book it. All right, Drew. That closes out stamp approval. Next up is the Vern Rap Minute. Go ahead. Why don't you do the intro to Vern Rap Minute? You do it so well. All right. Well, the Vern Rap Minute is dedicated to the memory of Mr. Vern Rap, who Jeff mailed a TTM request out to after he had passed on and uh, got a nice note back from the family there notifying him of such. But so we send this out now to all collectors to help to make sure that they don't make the mistakes that we have made before and send to somebody who has already died. So uh, cover any deaths in anybody that you might TTM, whether it's in sports, music, movies, the random world of celebrity politics, anything like that. Have you ever sent out a TTM request to someone who passed? I'm trying to think if I have. I don't think I have. I've sent to some who have like literally died like days after I mailed to them. I've yep. done that about four or five times, but none that have mailed the none that have uh, died before I sent. I usually try to check and make sure if I have any questions on any of them. Yeah, I was a young young pup uh, TTMer at that point. <laughs> I just I don't know why. Oh, Vern Rap, I'm going to send it off to him, and he passed away. Well, we lost a lot of people this week. Uh, we lost Lee Tinsley. Lee Tinsley was an uh, outfielder. He was kind of what like a fourth type outfielder, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he played for the Seattle Mariners, the Red Sox, and the Phillies from 1993 to 1997. He last TTM'd in 2020. Lee Tinsley was only 53 years old. He was actually a prospect with the Indians as well in the early 90s. I think they traded him to Oakland in the Brook Jacoby trade, and then he ended up making his way to Seattle after that. Yeah, he was one of those guys that had speed, but and was kind of just never 
he never kind of clicked, right? Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, we lost another uh, Cleveland connection. I mentioned his uh, Tinsley's Indians connection. Charles White this week, a uh, Cleveland Browns draft pick. And of course, what he's most famous for, USC. He was the 1979 Heisman Trophy winner there. Played with the Browns and the Rams from 1980 to 1988. Had a huge year in 1987 where he was a pro bowler and the comeback player of the year. He led the NFL with 1,387 yards and scored 11 touchdowns that year. Across his career, 23 TDs, 3,075 yards. Not typically much of a TTM, he did a few up through about 2020 or so. And he was also a guest at the 2018 National. So I got to chat with him for a bit while he was there. Uh, Charles White was 64 years old. Yeah, and I know Coach Robinson, who he coached, um, he coached him at USC and in the Rams. He said he was the toughest player that he ever coached. Wow. So that that's kind of big for for a running back. Uh, and he was he I believe he got cancer. I think he had cancer. He was he was kind of ill. We lost Ahmad Galloway. Uh, he was a running back for uh, University of Alabama. He played in the NFL uh, Europe. He played for the Scottish Claymores in Frankfurt Galaxy. He was not a TTMer, but anytime you can mention the Frankfurt Galaxy and the Scottish Claymore in any report, it's a good thing, right? Absolutely. If you can cite NFL Europe, WLAF, I'm there for it. <laughs> well, Amon Galloway, he was only 42 years old. I lost Frank Molden this week, continuing in the football theme. He was a defensive end in the 1960s. Skipped around a little bit, played for the Rams in 1965, then in 1968 with the Eagles and 1969, the Giants. Uh, last TTM to around 2016 or so, but Frank Molden was 80 years old. Drew, we lost Willie Tasby. He was an outfielder for the Orioles, the Red Sox, the Senators, and the Indians. He played 583 games in the outfield. He was play, He played what, in the late 50s and 60s, right? Yeah. And he was kind of the Lee Tinsley of the 50s and 60s, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to be straight about it, right? Yeah. He, he, uh, he last he tempted in 2018. Willie Tasby was 89 years old. We lost Maurice Fisher this week, a name that – if you're a diehard Cincinnati Reds fan, you may have heard this name. He pitched one game as a member of the Reds in 1955. It was against the Milwaukee Braves. And uh, he took the loss in the game, let up two runs in relief, including a home run to Del Crandall. Makes that relief appearance. That's it for his major league career. Never got back up to the big show again. Uh, last he teamed in 2011. So it's been a while on him, but uh, Maurice Fisher was 93 years old. You know what? I, I always put these in these guys that only played one game with the team for a reason, because there's a lot of guys out there that collect just teams. They want yeah. an autograph from everyone that ever played in a game for whatever team it is. So if you're a Cincinnati red guy, you might've needed Maurice Fisher, you know, it's the, right. and these guys, you know, these, those are guys sometimes are the hardest guys to get the guys that only played one inning or one game or, you know, played three games in, in, in the NHL, whatever. So that, that's why you might say, well, why, you know, why do I care about Maurice Fush Fisher? You know, he, he probably didn't have a baseball card, but <laughs> you know, I, I put these in, we put these in cause there's a lot of guys that collect, teams and so if you were if you're a red guy you needed maurice fisher right yeah it's like the story of clancy smyers for all of the uh, brooklyn dodgers collectors out there it's a guy who i mean he just did not sign at all every dodger collector is willing to pay like babe ruth kind of money for him yep well in the aba i you know i'm a big aba guy i love the aba we lost cincy powell since he was a forward he was a two-time aba all-star he played in the aba from 1967 to 1975 he played for the dallas chaparrells the Kentucky Colonels, the Utah Stars, and the Virginia Squires. 
Sure, that's pretty good, huh? I didn't put the, nice. I just put the I put the towns, the cities on, but I didn't have the, yeah. the, the names on there. Good, huh? He scored nine thousand seven hundred forty-six points in his career, so that's pretty good. He last CTM in two thousand eighteen. I know he's he's featured on a bunch of ABA cards, uh, tops cards back in the you know in the seven late sixties and early seventies. Uh, since he Powell, he was only 80, 80 years old, and I, I say only eighty because as as I get closer and closer to eighty, it's only eighty. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Steve Wittyuk died this week as well. He played in the 1951-52 NHL season with the Chicago Blackhawks. He was a right wing for them. Played 33 NHL games with three goals and 11 points, so eight assists to go along with those three goals. He last TTM'd in 2019. Steve Wittyuk was 93 years old. We lost Carl Cusher. Carl Kusher was a pitcher for the Kansas City A's from 1956 to 1958. He was actually a pretty good pitcher, but his career got cut short by a car accident. Oh, so, geez. you know, it, uh, it, it must have, he must have hurt his arm or, or something that really derailed his playing. Uh, he wasn't a TTMer. Carl Kusher was 90 years old. Well, he's on the 50s Kansas City A's, so he would have just gotten traded to the Yankees eventually. Anyway, anyway if so. he was good. <laughs> yeah. uh, we also lost Jeff Beck this week in the world of music. You may know him as a member of the Yardbirds, had a great solo career as well. Member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I believe Rolling Stone, when they did their list of the 100 greatest guitarists uh, several years ago, Jeff Beck was placed at number five on that list. Uh, he was 78 years old. Boy, he, he could play, huh? Yeah. Oh, boy, yeah. Hey, I, I don't, if you've seen video of him, his fingers, he had the fastest fingers, like, like Eddie Van Handling, you know I mean? He was just, mm -hmm. he was such a good guitarist. We lost Dick Savitt. Dick was a, a tennis, he's a tennis hall of famer. He's in the tennis hall of fame. He was the first uh, Jewish person to win Wimbledon and uh, the Australian Open. He won it both in 1951. He last CTM in 2014. Dick Savitt was 95 years old. In the world of TV, we lost Adam Rich this week. Uh, you may remember the name from the show Eight is Enough back in the, I believe, the early 80s when that was on TV. Played the character Nicholas Bradford as a child actor there. Adam Rich was only 54 years old. Yeah, and he was in a bunch of movies and, um, you know, he was he was a voice for, I think, um, one of the Pokemon things or something. He, he you know, he had a career after, but um, when... I remember him as being a little kid, you know what I mean? I, I watched the yep. show. I don't know if you did. You, you were probably, you were, it was probably in reruns by the time you were, were old enough, but he was, he was, he was always, he was one of those precocious kids and you know, mm -hmm. the, these child stars, they just don't, they don't last too long, which is sad. Well, we lost Lisa Marie Presley this week. She of course is Elvis's only daughter. She was 54. She got married to Michael Jackson, right? And she's was kind of she tried to be a songwriter, and uh, you know she just lived off of being Lisa Marie Presley, I guess. And <laughs> she, being Elvis's only daughter, I'm sure she had plenty of money, but she she read, she really led a tough life, I think. She was uh, only 54 years old. Uh, we also lost uh, Robbie Knievel this week. He, of course, was uh, son of Evil Knievel and well known for his. Uh, Similar antics as well in the Daredevil type world there, but uh, he was only sixty years old. Yeah, well, you know what? We had we lost a lot of people this week. It's, a, it's really a, a tough way to start the year off. So our condolences and sympathy go out to if you lost friends and family. Uh, we are sorry for your loss. Well, that wraps up the Vernrap Minute, Drew. Next up, we're going to have our TTM returns, or as I should go, wah 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 TTM returns. <laughs> <laughs> was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM returns. 
<laughs> well, Drew, I'm going to do my TTM returns first. And why? Because I got two, two TTM wow. returns this week. So I got, and I'm going to send this one, one, one to you because I don't know. I must have by accidentally put one in the in in the case. So I I got three returns from Neil Lomax. I got two eighty three tops cards from him and an eighty four tops card. Neil Lomax is a good TTMer, but for the life of me, I don't know why I sent two two eighty three tops cards. So maybe what, should we give it away? Yeah, give it away. I've gotten him by mail before, so yeah. All right, maybe we'll do that now. Okay, why don't we do that? I know we're gonna do we're gonna do the contest with the three by five. The three five by seven autograph cards, but I have a Neil a 1983 tops Neil Lomax card. If you want to win a 1983 signed Neil Lomax card, just send us an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com. And I'm gonna put I'm gonna put both the contests together. We're gonna to give away two prizes. Okay, Drew, we'll give away the three autograph five by sevens to one person, and then one of the 83 Neil Lomax cards to the other person. All right. So we'll give that. And then I also got. Uh, Leroy Irvin, who was a cornerback with the uh, Los Angeles Rams, and he signed his 80, he signed two cards for me. He signed his 86 tops card and his 87 tops card. Um, he was, he played a bunch of years with the Rams from uh, at least from 80 to 86. Um, and he, I remember him as, as being a good player. This one, this one took a while. This was, I bet this took like two months to come back. So Neil Lomax is pretty quick. Neil Lomax is a, a quick return, but those are my only two returns. I had two returns this week. So I'm going to, I have to, I'm going to have to do something to write my article this week because I only have two returns this week. <laughs> well, if you want to borrow mine, go for it and write about those. I'm totally good with that. I can send you scans and everything, but I had a decent week here. Eight of them that came in. Nice. So uh, yeah, it was uh, real good there. Plus a gift from a uh, Twitter person. I, uh, I'm going to talk about that real quick first. I just got this uh, message one day from this guy saying, hey, um, yeah, this uh, tag someone else said, uh, yeah, this guy said that you might be interested in this and shows a picture of a uh, kind of a small poster. It's about like an eight by 10 or so of the 81-82 Kansas City Comets. It was signed by two players. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's got these two players. I was like, yeah, give me your address. It's all yours. I'm like, cool. Yeah, I'll gladly take that. So are you going to add to it? I'm not sure yet. I mean, there's, I know a few of these guys probably signed by mail. I mean, just looking over the list on here, I've actually met uh, Yilmaz Orhan in person before. He was at the uh, MISL event that I went to a few years ago. Uh, let's see here. I mean, yeah, I, just looking I, this over I'm looking uh, for a, a really good project. I need a, I need a good, yeah. like one of those, like a good multiple photo project, you know? Gene, mm -hmm. uh, Gino Schiraldi, I know I've gotten by mail before. So, I'm sure I could hunt them down and try to, you know, see how many of them would sign it. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, right there. It's I got think, a I think you should, Drew. No, because you, you got it for nothing, right? So if you don't right. get it back, it's not a big deal. Yeah, the only tough part would be, I mean, the shipping could be a bit of a killer there because, you know, it's a larger envelope and all that. But oh, I know. It might be worth a try. Yeah, I'll check it out. And if not, I mean, I know plenty of Kansas City Comets fans uh, as well that might be able to help me out and get it signed or that, I mean, I might be able to trade it to them or something. But really cool to get that in totally for free from a, a collector out there. It's uh guy's name is spike glidden he's up in uh, massachusetts actually right near your area there in uh he's in cambridge well, thanks like. spike yeah but uh he actually he sent his business card in with it as well which is really freaking awesome very cool <laughs> 1960 uh i like it these he, guys he's got a business card of a 1960 tops card i like that yeah. so along with that like i said i got seven ttms and i also sent seven out this week so hopefully i'll keep my fingers crossed those will come back but the seven that i got in january 9th that was on monday i believe if my uh, calendar my mind is correct I got four Hall of Famers rookie cards all signed in the mail that day. So that's uh, one of my good. best days of, in, a, in a while right there. But Mike Mussina, 
Charged $10, sent that in there, but got his 91 upper deck rookie cards signed. I got Goose Gossage on his uh, 73 tops rookie card as well. $10 fee on that one. I did put in a request that Goose put, you know, his Hall of Fame year on there. He didn't do that, but oh, well, he signed it at least. I'll take that any day. I uh, got back Adrian Dantley on his rookie card too. That's, I think, I want to say 77, 78 tops. Yeah, I, know I think somewhere it's 77, 78. Yeah. But I signed that one, put his Hall of Fame year on there. He has an $8 fee to sign and did that. I also got Dick Vitel, who he had a card in the star sets back around 84, 85 or so when he was coaching the Pistons. But what is generally recognized as his actual rookie card is the 95, I want to say, it's 94, 95, 95, 96 classic draft set. Okay. Put a card of him in there. And so I put that in and. Asked that he sign it in silver Sharpie if possible. It has a great silver signature on it there. Didn't put his Hall of Fame year, but hey, the signature looks great on that card, so I will gladly take that. Does he charge? No fee for him at all. So he does, also included does he have a, a pro set card, Drew, do you know? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they've come up with anything more recent on him or not. I haven't really looked into that. But he also sends a card here that has an autograph on it as well and advertises his website on the back. Cool. So they'll fold that in half and put it in the envelope there with it as well. So cool to add that in. Uh, January 10th, that was Tuesday, got Larry Little through the mail on his 1972 Tops rookie card. $5 fee on him. He put his Hall of Fame year on with it as well. January 11th, I mentioned that was the day that I got all of the uh, give a card, get a card items in. Also got the, uh, I sent to Michael Dean Perry from the Browns. Okay, good. Sent three cards to him. He signs two per, it looks like now. So what was interesting was I sent him, it was his 92 Tops, 92 Tops gold and 93 upper deck, I want to say. You think if he's signing two per that he would pick, you know, one of those two tops ones there and then the upper deck one. I signed both the tops and the tops gold ones. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll gladly take that. I was hoping at least to get the gold one signed. So. Yeah, that's nice. Yep. And then finally, January 13th, that was yesterday. I got back Katie Smith, who is a basketball Hall of Famer. She played in the WNBA for a long time and was one of Ohio State's greatest players ever, possibly best basketball player all around across men's and women's ball there for the Buckeyes. Played in WNBA from Minnesota and a couple of other teams there. Signed her rookie card with Hall of Fame year on it as well. And former Browns and Colts fullback Tim Manoa, who uh, regular listeners may remember, I mailed to a few weeks ago and got back returned to sender with incomplete or insufficient address on it. So dug a little bit deeper and found, uh, oh, hey, he has a, it's a sweet address there for his uh, business is what I had sent to and didn't have a suite on it at all. Tacked that on there came back to me about a week and a half with a nice note back from him as well. So you have that Tim Manoa card handy. Yeah, I can pull it up right here. Where, where, uh, did, he, where did he play college ball? Was he a USC guy? UCLA He was at Penn state. Oddly Penn enough, state, he, was, okay. uh, he was actually, I think, yeah, he was born in Tonga. And usually, you know, the guys from the Pacific islands like that end up at like USC or UCLA. Right, that's or what I thought. Like Cause like Mosi Tutupu and uh, like all those guys, they kind of all ended up there. Yeah, it's always, yeah, it's USC, UCLA, BYU, and Hawaii seem to be the big Hawaii, four spots right. for them. But no, he was a, a Penn State guy, it looks like. played. Uh, he was a fullback there and Brown's short yardage uh, expert there in the uh, late 80s. And yeah, finished his career with a season or two with the Colts, uh, 91, maybe into 92 as well. Who who are you looking for for Browns? Who what, what Who's on your wish list for, for Browns cards? Because I know you've been sending a lot of Browns mm-hmm. cards out. I'd have to look through and see if there's anybody. Cause I mean, I've got a whole box full of, I started, I sorted all of my Browns cards out from my football stuff and put them in a separate box. So I really have to look through and see if there's anybody that I need cards of that I haven't gotten yet. Cause there's a bunch that I've tried over the years and gotten back some that I've tried and failed on. So yeah, I'll take a look and see. Have you gotten, uh, 
Bernie Kosar, does he sign at all? I haven't. He charges, I think, like $10 or $15. So I haven't gotten him at all. Um, no, I got uh, Mike Phillips. I got a, a return. He doesn't, he, he doesn't sign for free anymore. Yep, Phipps, yeah, he's it. charging, I think, yeah, five or 10 bucks now, too. And I mean, yeah, he was getting flooded with requests for a while. So I'm not too surprised. I mean, that's a guy who is what I think the number two or number three pick in the draft there in uh, 71, I want to say, is whatever year Bradshaw went first overall, because the Steelers got Bradshaw and the Browns gave away Paul Warfield to move up and make sure they got Mike freaking Phipps of all people. But uh, yeah, he did sign free for a long time. And I think he's still only like five or ten dollars. Is there anybody that doesn't sign? Like I know with the Patriots, Andre Tippett's really hard to get. He won't. He's he he doesn't sign through the mail. He he's kind of hit hit or miss in person. I is there anyone like that in the Browns? The biggest one that I wish would sign is Webster Slaughter, wide receiver for them in the late eighties yeah. to early nineties. There he was. Uh, I mean, the rest of the receivers on that team are all great signers. I mean, Reggie Langhorn typically signs a lot. You've got Brian Brennan, who I've gotten recently. Yep. You've got uh, Ozzie Newsom, who's a Hall of Fame tight end. And Webster Slaughter is the one that just won't sign for whatever reason. I got him in person at a Browns event back in, I want to say, 1999 or 2000. Somewhere in the 98 to 2000 range there. And I got him there and, yeah, never have uh, gotten him since. Haven't seen any TTMs out of him. So he's the biggest one from my era of fandom that I wish would pick up a Sharpie. Yeah. I mean, that like Kevin Mack signs and Ernest Biner signs. And like, uh, does Tom Cousineau sign from Ohio state? You know, I'm not sure if he does or not. I don't think he does. I think he may have for a while. I, I thought he, he did, now. but I don't, I don't think I have him, but um, this seems to be, you know, this seems the, the bronze as a whole seem to be a pretty good signers. And like, I, I know the Patriots from that, that, you know, those eighties, those, those mid eighties teams are all good signers. You know, most, most of them are pretty good, but um, it, it seems like, you know, I've had really good luck because I've been sending out 83, 84, 85, 86 card. And I've been having pretty good luck with those. Yeah. Then, yeah. I mean, that's, that's how a lot of the Browns ones were. I mean, you've got like a Dave Pizzoli is an excellent signer there. Unfortunately, the guy that he was the backup to also is another one that I wish would sign more. And that's Mike Golick or Bob Golick, Bob Golick. Right. Mike Golick signs. Yeah. Mike signs, but Bob is uh, far more misses than hits on him that I've seen. But yeah, for the most part, I mean, the whole linebacking crew they had there with Mike Johnson, he's a pro bowl or he'll sign all day for you. Just about Felix Wright led the league in interceptions one year. He signs tons. Um, Hanford Dixon. I don't know if he TTMs, but he does a lot of card shows around the Cleveland area. I wish his uh, counterpart, Frank Minifield would sign too. That's another one that'd be on my wish list there, but yeah, for the most part, I would say probably half to two thirds of the Browns of the uh, 80s to mid 90s or so are excellent signers. Is that way you're going to stick with for a little while is trying to get the Browns in your Hall of Famers? Probably. Yeah. I mean, I'm always looking out to see if anybody that I need for sets are signing. And there's one that I mailed out this week. I don't want to say who it is necessarily because I don't want to get flooded with mail, but I tried one this week for uh, that's in a couple of sets I'm doing there. But yeah, anytime I can come across a cheap Hall of Fame rookie card, that's near the top of my list former Browns of really any era, but especially anything, anybody from the era when I was watching the eighties to nineties, there's always near the top of my list there. So yeah, it's probably what I'm going to try to stick to a bit there, but yeah, whatever comes across my, uh, comes across my radar there, I'll be sending out to. Cool. Well, thanks, Drew. I'm glad, glad you got a bunch. I, again, I only had two last week, so hopefully they'll start rolling in. That wraps up returns to the week. Next up, we're going to have our weekly TTM cast interview. This week's interview is brought to you by certified sports guarantee. CSGcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. Well, Drew, we've had Jeff Owens on a couple of times. He is editor of Sports Collectors Daily. He, I mean, sorry, Sports Collectors Digest. I always mess that up, right? Sports Collectors Digest. He's editor of Sports Collectors Digest. You can go to sportscollectorsdigest.com for 
to all see all the stories and we have a, I have a story this month on Les Wolf I had one last month on Kevin Keating so uh we talked to Jeff about kind of we look back at 2022 and look ahead to 2023 so please enjoy my interview with Jeff Owens but first here's a message from our friends at CSG 2022 was a great year for CSG. They graded iconic cards, including a 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle that sold for $1.25 million at auction. Reviewed more than 1 million cards in less than two years, and they're only getting started. Take advantage of the CSG difference with grading fees 20% off through January. CSG has incredible turnaround times and state-of-the-art holders. Starting at just $12 a card, visit csgcards.com today to experience the difference. Like to welcome to the show, editor of Sports Collectors Digest. I'm talking, of course, Jeff Owens, who's been on this show a few times, a great friend of the show. Thanks, Jeff. Nice to talk to you. Uh, you're welcome, Gre- uh, Jeff. Gre- <laughs> Can we start that over? Yeah, let's start. Ready? Take two. <laughs> Bad start. I got tongue tied there. No problem. Joining the show is editor of Sports Collectors Digest. I'm talking, of course, about Jeff Owens. Jeff is a friend of the show. He's been, I think, this is his third or fourth time on. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be here. Happy, Happy New, Year. New Year. And I thought it'd be good at the beginning of the year to look back at 2022 and kind of look ahead at 2023. We had so much happen in the in the hobby. Let's. Why don't we start with a couple of uh, quick hits and then we'll we'll, we'll dig into a few topics if that's okay for you what would you say is the card of the year if you had to say oh one card that was 2022's card of the year what would you say oh wow that's a great question uh, you know i think you got to go with the mantle card right uh the 52 mantle um you know it set the record the all-time sports card record in uh at 12.6 million that was probably one of the biggest stories of 2022 when that car sold just after the national at heritage auctions uh just a tremendous card and, and a tremendous sale it was the hobby's first eight figure sale and, and set the all-time sports card record and, and didn't just set it it actually shattered it uh broke it by about 5 million dollars um, also set the all-time sports memorabilia record uh, that wound up being about two million more. Uh, we had a Michael jo- Jordan jersey that sold for ten point one million, but the Mantle card is uh, not only the highest-selling card of all time, but it, so far it's the highest-selling piece of, of sports memorabilia, and uh, I think that's very notable. And, and obviously, I think that makes that probably the card of the year. And uh, you know, you had some cards that fluctuated and might be considered card of the year for different reasons, but uh, certainly, I think that Mantle card is is the best best card of the year and and it it holds its value um in all grades uh you know we've certainly seen a dip in the market but the one card that uh, seems to be at least somewhat immune from that is that 52 mantle so uh i think that's definitely the card of the year yeah i agree that that card was the star of the national right and there wasn't one person that didn't have their picture taken with it or wasn't taught one wasn't talking about it yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was uh, every time we went over there uh, during the national, there were people crowded around that thing, taking photos. 
Uh, even other auction houses were coming over and looking at that card because because they knew that it was a, a monumental moment for the hobby. I mean, everybody expected uh, it to break the record. Uh, the question was, how high would it go? Uh, so everybody was interested in that, and it was definitely the star of the show and, and probably the star of 2022. Yeah, and I think Heritage did a great job marketing it and position, positioning it and timing of the auction. I think. Uh, Everything kind of all the stars aligned. Yeah, they really did. They did a great job. Her Heritage always does a great job, and uh, you know it's it's no surprise that uh, they did one hundred and fifty seven seven million dollars in sports card sales last year because they do a tremendous job not only finding and locating and consigning these great pieces, but they do a great job at marketing them, getting the word out, and, and just great customer service. And uh, they did it with this too. I mean, there was a lot of buzz about that card before we ever. Got got to the national and that drew uh, big crowds uh, to their exhibit. They had a video crew there documenting the whole experience. Uh, not sure if that's come out yet, but uh, yeah, I think there's a documentary that they're working on, right? Yeah. Yeah. They've been working on that. There was some talk that it might be on ESPN, but uh, yeah, I mean, the very fact that uh, they were able to document that whole experience and it, it generated uh, not only national, but some international headlines as well. So great moment for heritage auctions. I think they did a great job with it, but just a tremendous moment for the hobby in general. All right. This one's an easy one, I think. I hope. Company of the year for 2022, hobby company of the year. Who would you give it to? Boy, hobby company of the year. That is a difficult one to answer. Um, you know, you could consider Fanatics for coming in and making a big splash. Uh, that's got to be it. Uh, Heritage, we just talked about Heritage. I mean, they had a record, uh, record sale. They got to be considered. But, uh, you know, every hobby conversation these days starts with fanatics. So uh, I think you probably have to start with them. And uh, they, they kicked the year off with a bang by coming out and buying tops in January of last year for $500 million. And uh, you know, that came, that was their first big move after announcing in 2021 that they had uh, entered the hobby and acquired the the rights for uh, pretty much all the sports cards, football, basketball, and baseball. And, uh, you know, they, they continue to make, make news, uh, you know, throughout the year. I mean, we're still waiting for a lot of stuff to fall and find yeah, out waiting for uh, that, that other shoe to drop. Right? Yeah. <laughs> waiting for the other shoe to drop and all the other things that they're working on that, uh, have yet to be officially announced, but, uh, we're anxiously awaiting on all that stuff, but every conversation you had about the hobby in general, over the past year began and ended with fanatics. So uh, I think you got to uh, give them the nod there. All right. One, one more set of the year uh, release of the year. What, what, what set you think was the, 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 the was far and above the rest of the sets. Boy, that is a tough question. And some of them are, we're still waiting on some of them. Right I know. <laughs> um you know, I got to go with probably top series one baseball. I mean, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I always wait on that series every single year. It's one of the top sellers. Uh, it's one everybody wants to get their hands on. And, uh, you know, it was uh, significant this year with, with uh, a great baseball season. And, uh, you know, the name you probably don't want to hear, but Aaron Judge, you know, uh, set yeah. the record, <laughs> garnered a lot of headlines. And, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to uh, to be there when he hit one of his home runs this year. We visited nice. 
Stadium back in July after the National. Uh, Greg Bates and I visited Yankee Stadium. And in fact, our next issue that's coming out is going to be all about that. Um, we spent several hours in the Yankees Museum and in Monument Park and did some interviews with their museum curator, Brian Richards, uh, took tons of pictures. So that's going to be our big story in our next issue. But uh, back to my original story, you know, we were there that night when Judge hit his 43rd home run. And, uh, you know, I think just all of the cards uh, related to him that Topps put out, you know, were, were big. And then, of course, you know, I think their Series 1 set is always one of the uh, top releases of the year. So I'd probably have to go with that. Yeah, and I think Topps kind of got lucky and they had lightning in the bottle in terms of Wander Franco, right? There was a big buzz for Wander Franco. And right. then they, you know, then everything can't turn to Julio Rodriguez into, you know, into the up set two and the update set. So I think all three releases were uh, great for Topps, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, Julio Rodriguez definitely sort of saved them a little bit. I mean, there was a lot of buzz about Wander Franco, but but he sort of didn't have the year everybody expected. But but Rodriguez did. Uh, he had a phenomenal year, and I think that raises the value of of a lot of those sets and in any of them that has a a uh, J Rod rookie card in there. Yep. Is there any uh, looking back to 2022? Uh, some new companies. We had a lot, a lot of new companies come to the forefront. New technology. New new companies uh, coming into the hobby. Is there any one company that stands out for you for 2022 as a new company that that's really uh, jumped to the forefront? Yeah, you know, I can't think of any new companies right off the bat, but one that's relatively new that you and I both would know pretty well that I think made big strides this year was uh, a couple of the card grading companies, CSG in particular. Uh, I think they made great strides this year. They're not completely new, but they've been out, what, two or three years now? Two years now, yeah. Yeah, I think they made uh, tremendous strides this year uh, in their card grading efforts and their business there. They kind of climbed the ladder. Um, SCG also did that. You know, they got a tremendous amount of publicity with the uh, the mantle card that set the record. Uh, those two companies, I think, made big strides and sort of climbed the ladder as far as the tier of card grading companies. Uh they, you know, they all still have a long way to go to catch PSA, uh, but I think that card uh, made great, that company made great strides this year. I think a, a company like Collects, who was fairly new, I think their their software has uh, helped the collector and I think they've, they've done, uh, changed the way people collect. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. They've done a great job. And, uh, you know, we had so many new companies come in in 2021 and, um you know, uh, another one I can think of is Collectible. You know, they've done a great job. Yep. Not brand new, but only a few years old. And they've sort of taken over that market of fractional investment. Um, you know, they made an announcement last week about some new competitive bidding programs that they're adding to their platform. I think that's another good one. But, you know, we've, uh, you know, that all of these new companies uh, that have come in in the last year, two years, three years, you know, just another sign of, of the boom the hobby went through and, and, and the fact that it's still uh, doing well and pretty strong. You know what? I'm a big fan of uh, fines, you know, when they have a new fine coming up. Did we really have a big fine in, two, big fine in 2022? Um, that's a great question. Um, you know, I'm not sure that we did. I can't think off the top of my head. Um, 
you know, that mantle card was a great find, but that was yep. years ago. It just, uh, you know, they kind of took advantage of the market there for it to get uh, where it was. We saw a lot of uh, high grade vintage cards pop up. Um, I saw one a little while ago, uh, CSG put out, uh, they did a post a couple of days ago about a, a set of 1910 cards yeah. that are in immaculate condition. Um, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, I can't think of one like that off the top of my head, but I'm sure there were a lot of great ones out there. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of new cards entering the hobby. So I'm sure there were a lot of good, great finds. What was kind of the, your, your top two or three stories on, uh, on your site? We're talking about, of course, Sports Collectors Digest. Uh, you guys have printed edition as well as a online edition. What were the top two or three stories that readers were really gravitating towards for you guys last year? Yeah, I think uh, I think all the fanatics news. Uh, I think them coming in and purchasing tops, and um, you know all the ramifications uh, involved with that, and, and all the new questions it raised. I think it was probably uh, by far the top story of the year. You know, them coming in and making their first big move. The mantle card, of course, was big, and then I think you got to talk about uh, probably the the you know, the thing that we all don't want to talk about is the decline in the market, you know, the, yeah. the, shift, the shift in the market uh, and the, the decline, particularly of modern sports cards. Uh, we saw this tremendous boom in 2021 and cards selling for just extraordinarily amounts of amounts of money, uh, shocking sales in, in, in some instances. And that really cooled off on in 2022, and we saw a lot of the uh, modern card market really decline, you know, in some cases as much as 30, 40 percent. You know, I've been watching very closely those Jordan rookie cards, and, and uh, it's amazing what's happened with that. I mean, just uh, a little over a year ago, those cards were six figures all the time. Uh, routinely high-grade Jordans were selling for a half a million, and I think they topped out at about 800,000. Um, you know, I saw, uh, we, we just did a piece in this uh, next issue and it, it's actually up online right now, the top 40 eBay sales of the year. And, uh, you know, the Jordan card was number one, but it sold for about $200,000. Uh, that is significantly less than what yeah, it was sure. going for a year ago. So, uh, and you can buy Jordan cards, uh, in, uh, you know, a seven, eight grade as low as like $20,000 now. So, uh, it, you know, the, the drop in the modern card market, I think is, is one of the bigger stories to come out of the year. And, um, you know, hopefully that turns around a little bit and stabilizes. Uh, but definitely that that was a big story in 2022. Were you surprised that the increased interest in ticket stubs? Ticket stubs seem to be have a, a big gain in 2022. It really did, uh, especially debut tickets. You know, the debut, the ticket to Michael Jordan's first game, Tom Brady's first game. Uh, I think the Jackie Robinson ticket, you know, sold for a lot of money. So yeah, that has become a hot item. And I think what you're seeing now is that, you know, with, with the fluctuation in the, in the card market, I think you saw a lot of people start to gravitate toward uh, memorabilia, you know, the memorabilia, you know, while the card market sort of went down a little bit, the, the memorabilia market is still very, very strong. Yep. And, and I think that covers your tickets. You know, I think that's another area that maybe wasn't, wasn't that popular a few years ago, but now people are really looking for those things. 
uh, tickets to, to big events, world, you know, historic World Series tickets and those kind of things are now going for thousands and thousands of dollars. And uh, I think that's great. Uh, and, and I think it's just another sign that, uh, you know, the memorabilia part of the hobby is still very strong. We're speaking with Jeff Owens. Jeff is editor of Sports Collectors Digest. You can go to sportscollectorsdigest.com. Make sure you sign up for their free newsletter. It's a great newsletter. Also, uh, you can get a free issue if you want to try it out. Check it out. It's at sportscollectorsdigest.com. Follow them on social media at sportscollectorsdigest.com, on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. They're all over the place. So they, are, they, are, uh, they put out a new issue every month, and uh, it's available online as well. Jeff, for 2023, uh, is the first big story that we're looking at is we're waiting for that other uh, shooter drop that we talked about with Fanatics and Panini. You think that's kind of the the, the the big the big bang that we're going to hear in the next couple months? Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not so sure now. Um, you know, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and it seems like that deal has hit a snag. Um, you know, we thought we were going to get an announcement late last year. It seems like they were getting close, and then they just sort of hit a stalemate, it sounds like. Um, it sounds like some things cropped up in the negotiations that, uh, you know, weren't agreeable to both sides. Um, maybe the decline in the market had something to do with that. Maybe they're looking at new numbers now. I'm not sure exactly what's going on. And I heard an interview the other day with the new president of Fanatics and, um, you know, they asked him that question and he really did some great tapping. <laughs> uh, but he also talked about the fact that, you know, it may be 2025 or 2026 before we see any new tops basketball or football cards and and that made me think that okay maybe the panini thing uh is not going to get done or or maybe that was just a little strategizing and politicking going on i don't know but uh i'm not sure what to say now i, I mean I, I still think that's a logical move for both sides right, i think I it agree. almost has to happen uh panini would probably be crazy not to do the deal because otherwise they're going to lose the majority of their business right so right. i think it's got to happen at some point but clearly uh something happened there at the end of the year to to sort of uh, stall negotiations a little bit and uh i think they're revisiting that and trying to iron some details out so um, I would hope we would see hear an announcement at some point this year, but right now I'm not really sure when that might be. Do you think we'll still see um, a kind of a leveling off of pricing on new cards and the availability increasing on new cards uh, as we go into 2023? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I, I, I hope. I hope we it sort of stabilizes a little bit because we have seen a big drop. Um, and and a lot of people I've talked to have referred to this as a as a market correction, right? Um, you know, prices just got so extraordinarily high and, and just irrational and unrealistic back in 2020. Right. People flipping flipping yeah, cards it, and triple yeah. the price and exactly people flipping investors you know entering the market and and buying up these cards for ridiculous prices and uh you know personally i'm kind of glad a lot of that has stopped um and, and it's maybe returned the market to a more um reasonable and and rational uh point right now to where you know 
people, and, and I think once, um, you know, and I also think right now people are a little bit scared and gun shy too, not only because of the card market, but because of the economy, right? Nobody yep. really knows what's going to happen and, and if, th if things are going to get a lot worse. Uh, so I think everybody's being a little cautious right now. Uh, but I think hopefully this this helps the market sort of stabilize a little bit. And and once things settle down, then I think a lot of people are going to start buying again because prices have come down and they've, they've uh, reached a little bit more reasonable level. So I think at some point this year, uh, the market will sort of come back. It's certainly not going to go back to what we saw two years ago. Um, but I do think it will come back this year um, and people will start buying cards again, uh, you know, once everything settles down a little bit. We spoke about ticket stubs and kind of a bl the blip we saw in 2022. Do you see, uh, what do you see coming as the, the new blip, so to speak, in 2023? Do you think it's going to be programs and magazines? Do you think it might be game used jerseys? What, what do you, even autograph baseball? What do you, where do you think the next blip is going to come from? Yeah, boy, I would love to see it be magazines. Uh, not, you and not me both. <laughs> yeah, not that I have a bunch. Uh, I used to. I used to have a lot of them, and uh, unfortunately, they got thrown out over the years. But but that's something I've always loved. Uh, I love old Sports Illustrateds and and old magazines uh, that date way back. Um, you know, I think programs uh, are something that people uh, are going to start looking at. I saw uh, today we posted a story where. Um, a night, a program from the 1903 World Series uh, yeah. sold at Memory Lane for uh, six figures. Uh, that was a great sale. Uh, I would love to see stuff like that take off. But yeah, I think it's going to be memorabilia. Um, you know, there's a lot of game used jerseys out there right now. I think that'll continue to be a hot market. Tickets we talked about. But yeah, I think, um, you know, bats are always big. Uh, that kind of thing. I, I love I love seeing old historic bats uh, being sold and, and, and going to auction and stuff like that. And balls, of course, have been around for years. But I do think programs and things like that, magazines, perhaps. Uh, but I think old programs, scorecards, things like that from earlier in the, the 1900s and, and maybe even on back to the 40s and 50s, I think have some value and some historical significance. So I think uh, I think that sort of fits right in with your ticket market, you know, uh, programs and stuff like that from historic games. Uh, I think that could be the next thing that uh, could take off a little bit. What's in store for Sports Collectors Digest in 2023? Do you have any new features set uh, sections you plan to add? Do you have anything new? Uh, anything new that, that you're going to add to the magazine? Yeah, this is our 50th anniversary. Congratulations! Uh, this year, yeah, in October we will celebrate our 50th anniversary. So we're going to put out a big special issue to celebrate that. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Looking back at the history of the magazine and. Uh, you know, we'll probably be tracking down and talking to, uh, you know, a lot of people who have subscribed for a long, long time and been around and, and maybe some uh, some hobby people who've been around for a long time and can speak to the impact the magazine maybe has had on the um, the the hobby and and people who have enjoyed it over the years. And uh, so that that's going to be a fun project. I'm looking forward to getting started on that. Uh, we're thinking about and probably going to also add a section 
to our magazine where uh, we can engage with readers a little bit more, kind of a letter section. And uh, and maybe we'll uh, get some social media involved in that a little bit. And that'll be a way for us, I think, to uh, solicit some stories from readers about our magazine. Um, some, you know, there's a lot of subscribers out there who've been with us for a long, long time. Uh, some of them for for the probably the whole 50 years. So uh, uh, we're going to be trying to track some of those people down. And uh, I think that's a good way to do it. And, and I think that's a good addition to our magazine anyway, is uh, allow readers to uh, give them a space in the magazine to sort of engage with each other and uh, send in questions, send in comments, and, uh, and maybe engage not only with us, but also with other readers a little bit. So we're going to try to add that component to it. Uh, we're always adding new features and new writers like yourself, who uh, uh, has contributed a couple of nice pieces. Uh, we got another one of yours in the next magazine on your co-host there. Uh, my co-host, well, well, not my co-host, but, but my, my, my correspondent. We can't. Your correspondent. We, can't, we, we have Drew as the co-host, so we can't show yeah, names Drew. There you go. Uh, we're talking, but, uh, of course, about Les Wolf. Yeah, and Les tells some great stories in this uh, in in this uh, piece, and, and it's going to be in our next magazine. So be sure to check that out. But uh, yeah, we're always, uh, you know, I, I've made an effort here recently to kind of get involved a little bit with other content creators, uh, guys like yourself and uh, John Newman over at Sports Card Nation. Uh, uh, he's writing a little bit for us now, so uh, we're adding that to the magazine, and uh, just always looking for new ways to. Uh, engage with and entertain our readers so uh we'll have some new stuff coming for sure well maybe you'll have to have a 50th anniversary at the national this year in cleveland and have a have a little get together with the with with, with the collectors in your advertisers what do you think about that that would be fun that'd be great <laughs> any uh any excuse to throw a party is 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 a good one you know so uh yeah we'll we'll be celebrating that throughout the year and uh something we're really proud of and uh very you know it, it, i think in this day and age for a magazine to be around 50 years is a pretty neat accomplishment uh a lot of them have fallen by the way wayside uh particularly in sports and uh you know, magazine publishing is a difficult uh, business these days, but uh, thanks to the hobby and thanks to the collectors and our loyal subscribers, we're still doing pretty well and going strong. And uh, so it's uh, it's very neat to be able to celebrate our 50th anniversary for sure. I, I think one of the things that kind of showed in 2022 and is going to be looking, you know, looking forward is kind of the underbelly of the hobby, right? The the forgeries, you did it, guys did a great uh say uh, feature on the forgeries the you know the the uh fakes that are out there um and you know people just you know stealing at the dallas card show stuff like that uh, unfortunately with with the money comes some of the bad stuff as well right yeah and there was a lot of that going on last year for sure i mean we had one of the uh, you know more prominent dealers in the hobby that got robbed at the national uh, a guy on the board of directors uh you know, lost about $80,000 in, uh, in sports cards. And, um, you know, they, they, the Atlantic city police wound up f filing charges against another dealer for that. Uh, so yeah, things like that. Um, you know, the GTS distribution warehouse in California gets broken into card shops yep. have been robbed. Um, you know, there's been some shenanigans going on with breakers and stuff like that. So there, there, you know, that happens. I mean, when you have a, a industry and a market uh, explode the way it did in 2021, that's one of the 
unfortunate side effects of it. It's going to attract some uh, seedy, unscrupulous people to the hobby and stuff like that is going to happen. But I think one of the big things you're going to see in 2023 is you're going to see some of the big companies in the hobby make efforts to really crack down on that stuff. I know that is a big initiative that is coming with fanatics. Uh, and we hope to have a story on that pretty soon, but they've made a big move uh, to put their stamp on that and to try to clean up some of that stuff. Uh, you know, they're bringing in a team of people that uh, are going to set some standards um, and, and they're going to try to do their best to weed out people that uh, are up to no good and, and doing things like that. And I think that's great. I think we'll see, I think we'll see more companies. And that was a big story in 2022. You, you saw a lot of companies uh, making moves to make things more secure. Yeah. Getting vaults. Uh, eBay did that. PWCC, of course, has had one for a while. And a lot of your other auction companies started doing that. Uh, but I, I think, um, you know, eBay added a lot, a lot of security measures to their business to try to weed out some of that stuff. Uh, it's almost impossible to to get it all on their site because they're so big. Uh, but I think you're, I think that's a trend you're going to see in 2023 is you're going to see more companies taking big measures uh, to clean up some of that stuff and 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 weed it out and maybe prevent it. Uh, and I I expect fanatics to be a leader in that category. I, I think they're gonna. Uh, I think they're already making some big moves in that direction, and I think that's a good thing for the hobby. Yeah, I mean, the buzz the last couple of weeks has been this um, the numbering card, the numbered cards from tops. And I'm not sure if Panini's been involved, but you know, the, the one of one of 10, and then somebody else has the same number, one of 10 of the same card. And they've got to really control that, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think so. There's got to be better quality control there. And again, I think that's where Fanatics is going to come in and take a look at that kind of stuff and, and clean that stuff up. Uh, they've got to, you know, you've got to have um, consumers have to have more confidence in the in the market and in, in what's being bought and sold uh, in order for the hobby to be uh, secure and, and to thrive. And uh, and I think it's up to the big players in this hobby like Fanatics uh, to come in and, and, and put uh, quality assurance uh, programs in place to sort of stop some of that stuff and prevent some of the things that, that have happened over the years that have sort of, you know, given people a bad taste about the hobby, uh, that stuff's got to be cleaned up. And, uh, like I said, you know, eBay's doing a lot right now to clean that up. Um, you know, PWCC has done a lot, uh, to clean up, you know, they've, they're certainly, they've certainly been embroiled in their controversy over the years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they got kicked off of eBay for some allegations there, but, uh, since they've moved out on their own, we've seen them, uh, put a lot of security measures in place to prevent that sort of thing. And, uh, other companies are doing it. You know, the card graders, I think have got to step in and, and clean things up a little bit too. It seems like there's too many cards that have been trimmed or fakes that are getting through the system. You know, we've, we've seen some lawsuits lately occur over that sort of thing. So yep. I think they've got to clean things up a little bit. And, and, uh, and I do think fanatics is going to make a big impact in that area as well. 
Yeah, I agree. We're speaking with Jeff Owens. Jeff is editor of Sports Collectors Digest. Go to sportscollectorsdigest.com for everything. All this stuff is online, but they also have a printed version. You can sign up. Uh, there's a there's a pop-up that when you go on their site, you can get a free, free issue if you want to give it a try. It's been around for 50 years. They're celebrating their 50th anniversary. Jeff, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. It was great to to little look back at 2022 and look ahead to 2023. And I'm sure uh, when something big happens, we'll we'll reach out to you and get to get your uh, in, in opinion and feedback on it. So I thank you for your time. Thanks a lot, Jeff. It's always a pleasure. I love talking to you and I love what you guys do. So keep up the great work and uh, look forward to speaking to you again. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Well, Drew, we wrapped up another one. This is a long show. We got a lot, a lot of great content, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, beginning of the year, a lot of new releases, a lot of guys passing away. It just seems to be a lot of content this week, don't you think? Yeah, this felt like a long one for sure. I mean, looking at the clock here, we've been on for an hour, just not even including all the interviews and stuff. So it's fun. We uh we want to thank Jeff Owens from Sports Collectors Digest for joining us. Clemente Lisi, of course, in Clemente's world. Make sure you check out his uh, soccer uh, newsletter. It's called Planet Soccer, right? Planet Soccer, Drew. And you can go to planetsoccer.substack.com. That's planetsoccer.substack.com to get a free copy of that in your mailbox. He has also written a, a new article this week at Sports Collectors Digest called uh, The 10 Lionel Messi Cards and Collectibles Soccer Fans Should Collect. And uh, Clemente is all over the place. He wrote a article on puck junk on hockey for our friend Sal. So make sure you check out all the content from Clemente Lisi. And I want to thank him for joining us. We also had Jason Voss. Jason Voss is a super Ken Griffey collector. We talked to Jason about collecting uh, Ken Griffey cards and Ken Griffey memorabilia. You can go to ESPN and just put in Jason Voss, Jason V-A-S-S. You can see pictures of his uh, Ken Griffey man cave if you will and all, a lot of stuff and there's a great story on jason as well that ryan hawkinsmith wrote i think it was last year i believe so you can check that out so i want to thank jason next week we got billy sample billy sample likes to talk guys we're gonna billy sample name drop about a hundred different players we talk about all sorts of cool stuff billy sample is a great ttmer as well we talk we're going to talk to billy about signing autographs and about his collection uh, about his his uh, career we also talked to andrew williams who is a uh, up in your neck of the woods drew he is a cincinnati bengal and kansas cincinnati royal and um uh ohio state guy so we yep. talked to him about all the stuff that he's in he's collecting and we'll have less wolf we love less wolf we'll have less wolf next week so i think that wraps everything up drew you have anything else to add before i let you go i think we've covered everything pretty well here this week all right, boys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We appreciate it. Men, lady, women, everyone. We love our listeners. We love uh, to hear from you. Please send us an email to dtmcast at yahoo.com. All right. Wishing everyone many happy returns. We'll see you next week. Hey.